Hello and welcome to another episode of Bento Pod, the show where we take a bite-sized bite out of anime, deliver that anime directly to your earhole so that you don't have to watch the anime, but you can still pretend to be watching anime and be a weeb at the next convention. Which, who knows when the next convention is going to be because coronavirus has shut us all down. Joining There's me- virtual ones though. That's true, that's true. But if you go to a virtual convention, can you actually talk to the attendees? I mean, I'm not going to talk to people. I'm going to look at things <laughs> and buy things. <laughs> well, for those of you listening, that is the lovely voice of our regular host, Ty. And another host of the show joining us this week is Rob. Hey, guys. And friend of the show, Daniel. Today I learned that I'm worth six goats, but nine if I'm a woman. <laughs> well, I mean, that just makes sense. You know, the beard is definitely adds extra for women and goats. <laughs> oh, shit, sorry. That was loud. <laughs> well, Daniel, how sorry. have you been this week? Now that you know you're worth six goats, what have you been up to this week previously to finding out you're worth six goats? My, my life has been as it has been for the last several weeks. I go to work, I get overworked, I come home and crash. There's, mm, mm, there, there, there is there is no time for games or anime. There is there is just the grind, and then the sleep, <laughs> and then I thought the you were gonna say cry, not crash. And what about the burning part? That's impl- implied, Rob. It's just tears the entire time. Mm, mm. I expect that when Daniel leaves his work, he's just covered in tears. He's like I can't do this. I'm so overworked. I mean, you're not wrong. Also, the tears of customers. <laughs> oh shit. Oh damn! They's they's crying on him. There's some there's some real crying time. So, that's that's pretty much how we've been as well. What how have you been, Rob? What have you been doing this week? Um, I've been pretty good. Uh, work's been pretty cruisy. Been watching anime. Um, spending time with the partner, playing a bit of WoW. Uh, yeah, I had a really cruisy week. It was look nice. Look at this fucking guy with his actual life. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, look what? at these things that serious? I can do. Oh. An actual life. Come on, that's a bit generous. <laughs> well. <laughs> It sounds like you're actually doing stuff and, you know, wearing hoodies to the beach. That looked like a fun time. Oh, yeah. Went to the beach. That was really fun. Yeah. So many people at the beach. It was a little bit worrying, actually. But, you know, zero infections. What, what? So, yeah. No, it was good. Excellent. Fantastic. Yeah, nine days. Uh, We're actually at nine days in a row. Nine days in a row, zero infections. And restrictions have been eased in Melbourne, which means I get to punch you all in the face in person rather than virtually. Very, very, makes sense, makes sense. Uh, and just for the listeners at home, you may have just heard our cat, you know, the cat who gives us lots of trouble. She's sneezing up a storm. You may hear her little sneezes in the background. Maybe not. Who's to say? I heard it. Nice. <laughs> Did you really? I just assumed that was, t- I just assumed that was Ty, to be honest. No, no. <laughs> well, I am allergic to her, but apparently she's allergic to me too. <laughs> mm, makes sense. It makes for a very difficult household. The two women of the house are allergic to each other. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> two women? Pretty sure there's at least three at this stage. Look, I don't count myself because I at least pretend to wear the pants. Even though I don't <laughs> wear pants. I actually went to work with no pants this week. That was fun. <laughs> HR called you again, huh? Uh, look, they didn't see. It's fine. I didn't make any video calls that day. I just sat at my desk with no pants. It was fantastic. It was a hot day. So that's how your week's been, huh? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's that's the, the highlight of my this, week. This is what we call a hostile work environment. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I had any conversations with anybody without pants. Mm-hmm. It was a day of no phone calls. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. I just got yeah, to do a little work. Yeah, combination with me. You perfect. Oh, that's right. How could I possibly be concerned? But yeah, uh, that was the highlight of my week, working without pants. What have you been doing this week, Ty? Um, um, well, we 
sat up the garage before today, mm-hmm. and we're getting hard rubbish done this week, so we're getting rid of our old barbecue, which is very, very, very broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's basically just a hot plate. Yeah, well, we have we had two barbecues. I think we should preface with that. But we had three barbecues. We had two of which was broken. <laughs> yeah, two of which were broken. Funny. Yeah, so we got rid of all of that stuff. We're getting hard rubbish done this week, so hopefully it'll be gone relatively fast. Mm, mm, mm. And, and for those of you who don't know what hard rubbish is, for anybody in our global audience, oh, uh, yeah. that's where we call our council and we say, hey, council, this stuff we have is too big to fit in a bin. Can you please take it to the dump for us? And they say, okay, and they come and take your stuff away. It's important to note that they will not take live children or problematic pets. No, no, they won't. They what will about their take... carcasses? No, they won't take that. They'll take hard rubbish. Has to be something that you can't throw away in a regular bin. Carcasses go in the green bin because you can use it for compost. Gross. <laughs> That's okay. I don't really know what else I've been doing this week, actually. Nothing? Yeah, just hanging around. Mm. Actually, I've been really dreading the lockdown ending because now we have to go see, like, you know, Parents. our families. Yeah. And, like, not like... Not like they're bad people or anything. It's just that I think we just got comfortable at home. Mm-hmm. I've grown accustomed to not seeing anybody in the last eight months that I haven't seen anybody. Yeah, it's just, it's so it's so good being at home all the time. There's a reason I have to leave at a specific time today. It's for that exact reason, and I'm not looking forward to it. Oh, no. I thought it was fun reasons. That's not a fun reason. Boo. Boo. I thought you had a date. No, no, it's not. That was last night. Ah. <laughs> Speaking of dates, how was that sticky date pudding that we had two weeks ago, Ty? Was it delicious? It was good. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. We we looked at some sticky date pudding recipes. Going to be a fun time. Anyway, moving on from any of that sort of stuff there. Uh, do we want to get started on the anime show? Does anybody have anything of in super interest they wanted to bring up at all before we start talking anime? I just wanted to ask Daniel, since you went on a date last night, I wanted to know, how is Ty's mother? What? Oh. I, I I don't know, Rob. I, I had to I had to call yours. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Got him both. <laughs> well, the other thing actually I wanted to bring up before we talk anime, and it's something that we haven't done for a long time, is we I watched a show and finished a show this week that I think everyone watching should watch, which is the US version of Utopia on Amazon Prime. It's amazingly good. <laughs> It starts off really slow, though, like really slow. Like mm, I lost interest mm. real fast. It's a slow burn, but the middle to end is just like, oh, it's a roller coaster. Fantastic. And I found out today that it's actually a remake of the UK version, which I'm now thinking about I'm going to go and watch. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. What's it about? Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. The simple version is that there is a comic book that was written and is theorized to predict world, uh, future events. So the one in the US version, the example they give is a disease in Uganda and the comic book for the page predicting it showed eight pe- uh, eight leaves on a tree and one leaf above it. The leaf above it was the shape of the virus and the eight leaves represented the eight people that died from the virus. So it's like a very cryptic comic book that's theoretically mm. predicting the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that kind of thing. How, how, much, mm. how detailed is this comic book? Like, is there lots of stuff that people can potentially dig out of it? Uh, by the time the show starts, the comic book has been taken apart completely, so everyone knows what it was, because it's all stuff that was predicted at the time of the comic book being published, but has since come to pass. But the show starts out with the sequel book being found, and all of that is completely 
up in the air and ha- may not have happened yet. Oh, gotcha. That's cool. Do they mm. do they know the origins of the book? Like, do they have access to the author or whatever? No, so the author is not fully known to the general public, and the people who do know who the author is don't know where he is. The theory is that he's either dead or missing. Interesting. Mm. Well, those are the two, those are the two options. If you if you don't know where the person, I are, mean, he could be they're either dead or missing. He could be a hermit. <laughs> he's like, look, when I die, I'm gonna send you a letter that says I'm dead. Haven't got the letter, therefore he's alive. <laughs> I don't know where he is, but I know he's alive. Obviously, his death notice will be in the comic. Mm, look, that's possible. It's yeah, it's really really good. I would definitely give it a recommend. As an aside, I would also give a recommend to Utopia, the Australian TV show about the logistics of building a big pipeline. It's a great comedy show, and it's not exactly, it's not close to the same thing, but it's also a good show called Utopia that's a lot of fun to watch if you can find it. It's basically like Parks and Rex, but Aussie. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. You wouldn't like it, Ty. (laughs) It's not your kind of humour, unfortunately. Anyway, we'll move along. Uh, Ty, do you want to give us a breakdown of That Is The Bottleneck this week? What happened? Whose faces did we see? We saw not Muto-san's face, that's for sure. (laughs) Because his face was covered by a cat and other miscellaneous things. So this week, uh, Muto-san replaces all the bread with onigiri, like he did last week, except this week the schoolgirls that came had no choice but to take the onigiri, even though they really wanted bread. The new employee uh, is having trouble with her partner and Muto-san prepares two onigiri for her, and it's just a really sweet thing, and she's really touched, but nothing happens after that, so that was interesting. (laughs) So it's not like cursed food that brings people together or something? I wasn't sure, because, like, the last time he made something for someone, oh, he made some hot chocolate for the manager, which turned out okay and was really wholesome, Mm. but then when he made that fried rice and someone helped themselves to it the first episode, they Mm. went missing. So I was like, is this another one of those things? (laughs) But I feel like Mm. he's giving out the food as opposed to having the food stolen. Then one of the schoolgirls from before comes back to the shop and somehow she's able to talk to Muto-san without being generally terrified and running away. Mm, mm, So mm. what does this mean? Everyone else is terrified just by the sight of his face. What does it mean? What could it all mean? So I'm just interested to see where that's going. Mm. Or is it going to be a, oh, I found my love sort of situation? Possibly. We'll see how it goes. I'm that's hoping cool. that she's the secret creator of this person, and she's the only one that can stand the sight or something. <laughs> the secret creator of the person. As in the mother? Because, like, you know, yeah. the whole a face a mother, only a mother could love sort of thing. <laughs> I mean, she's very clearly a schoolgirl. That's really cool. I like that. I didn't even think of or that. alternatively, it's his daughter. Oh. oh my god, what if she has one of those faces? No, we saw her face. It was a pretty regular face, unfortunately. It's, yeah, she was very pretty. Maybe she inherited her mother's face? <laughs> I don't think that's the kind of storyline the show is. Her mother's be. face and his father's murderous intent. It's it's quite clearly the ultimate. <laughs> yeah, the perfect disguise. Made in <laughs> Funny. Funny times. Uh, are you enjoying the show still, Ty? Are you intrigued or are you sort of just along for the ride because you want to know what's happening? I'm kind of along for the ride at this point. It's not great, but it's not bad either. Like, mm. it's it's like a 6 out of 10. Mm. So, like, it's not bad, but it's just... 
It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It, it's still pulling me along because I want to know why his face is not uh, like terrifying everyone and why it's not, you know, crazy. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Well, if that's the case, speaking of craziness, this week things got really crazy in Akudama Drive. Where Brawler, remember these guys don't really have names except for their designation. So Brawler decides that he's going to go back and fight the Executioner. For a bit of backstory that you guys may or may not remember, last week they broke onto the bullet train and they got stuck in the absolute quarantine zone. Oh yeah. Leaving the Executioner behind on the back half of the train because they broke the train in half. So this week Brawler decides that he's going to go back to the second half of the train and fight the Executioner's. Which is going to be impossible because the absolute quarantine zone is completely impossible to live in. So he's going to have no way of getting back to the train. Uh, the two kids who were inside the vault that you guys may recall, they say they need to go back to Kansai to get away from Kanto. And everybody but Hacker, including Brawler, says they're going to go back. Hacker insists on going back to Kanto through the decontamination zone, which is a zone that's going to kill him. There's a lot of callbacking, calling back. There's not really a lot of moving forward, unfortunately, this episode. While this is happening, uh, a mysterious group of people admonish the Executioner's uh, leaders and tell them about how terrible they're doing because the Akudama are getting away. And then the rest of the episode is basically exposition about Executioners. They're all given orders to kill the Akudama, and the Akudama walk their way back from the broken train back to Kansai through the absolute quarantine zone because of the magical powers of the two kids. They have a flute. One of them can blow into a flute and it creates a shield, and the other one we don't really know what he can do just yet. It's a pretty boring episode, to be honest. <laughs> not a huge amount happens. There's not really much to go through in terms of a plot. I'm still interested to see what's going on. Mm. And probably the most exciting thing that happened was that the kids also have a box that can generate food by... You, you say what you want, and it just creates the food. It's a completely empty box. Oh my god, I'm sold. That sounds awesome. Yes. Give me pizza, give me pizza, give me pizza! <laughs> there's 50 items on the menu apparently but no one's ever told them what the items on the menu are so it's very very strange uh, Swindler who is our fake Akudama who got just sucked into everything orders takoyaki and it just appears Barula orders meat Doctor orders a bottle of wine Hacker isn't there uh, who's what's the what's the guy who's dressed like the Joker's name? Do you remember his name? I don't remember, but I, I remember someone ordered soup, and they were like, yeah, "I can't have that." Yeah, it was him. He he orders soup. So there's a guy who's dressed like the Joker, whose name I've forgotten, because it's really not important. And he orders soup, and it's like it doesn't do anything liquid. And he's like, "But Doctor just had wine. That's liquid. What? <laughs> this is ridiculous." And Courier orders takoyaki. So it's a you know. Oh, someone ordered ramen too, and that was okay. Hmm. Was it okay? I can't remember. Was that the one? No, he ordered ramen. Yeah. Ramen was the soup. Funny. Yeah. So, it's... Yeah, it looks like they're going to have some interesting technology, which is, yay, future time technology. They sneak their way back into the city using what looks like a sewer pipe. There's not really a huge talk, amount to talk about, unfortunately. But I'm still excited to see where this show is going because it looks like it's going to be a fun time. Mm. So, I'm hoping to see where it goes from here. Definitely interesting. Yeah. Speaking of fun time with fingers, how is Jujutsu Kaisen going, Rob? Um, I'd like to answer that, but unfortunately I can't move on from the fact that we've got no cat ratings so far this episode. There is a cat in there! There's no cat in Nakodama Drive anymore. The cat's dead. Uh? And what about in That Is The Bottleneck? I believe we had a cat on a face and we didn't rate <laughs> we it. Did have... 
They're all, that, that's true. So cat on a face cat, I would rate that cat a seven. It's a cute cat. It's a very funny use of the cat because yeah, it's it literally a fat just, cat too. Yeah, it's a fa- it's a fantastic cat, and it looks like basically the cat is hanging onto his shoulders as the head. It's very cute. You didn't give a rating though. Six out of ten cats. Nice. It's a pretty good cat. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, the black cat in Akudama Drive is dead, so I can't rate. I can't rate that anymore. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Jujutsu Kaisen, episode six, uh, we pick up where we left off, which is Itadori has no heart. He's on a medical slab about to um, be dissected by the mortician or whoever does the, you know, cause of death thing. Um, we find... Sorry? Is it a coroner? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except it's, you know, they're all jujutsu related. Alternatively, so... medical examiner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she's just there to basically dissect the body because at this point he's had three of Sukuna's fingers. So she's like, I need to see what's going on in here. Um, and we mm, cut to inside um, Itadori. And he's actually in Sukuna's kind of own demi realm. And they're kind of fighting it out, but Itadori has no hope because it's not his realm. Like, he's, again, completely outclassed. And there's a bit of an exchange between the two of them. And the audience finds out that he can bring him back to life, but it's kind of a bargaining situation. And basically, Itadori is outclassed, loses the bargain completely... And he doesn't remember any of the conversation, which we find out can happen. Like, he can, Sukuna can ask, okay, you're going to forget everything that happened here. And he's like, okay, that could be a condition of him coming back to life. Um, as a result, we know that Sukuna has a, um, put conditions on bringing Itadori back to life, but we, the audience, don't know what those conditions are. Um... Gaoju, his teacher, finds that out afterwards, that Itadori doesn't know um, what happened in that realm, and we assume that he's going to be on guard about it. But yeah, kind of kind of a nice loose end. Um, we also find out about Gaoju, he is super, super powerful, he could take down the whole Jujutsu society kind of thing by taking out the leaders. Um... He chooses not to, instead opting for a peaceful ground-up solution in training the next generation of sorcerers and hopefully aligning with himself. Uh, Now, the Akatsuki, which is what I've called the villains in this anime, (laughs) um, they meet at McDonald's to plan the downfall of the sorcerers. Um, And one of them is kind of like a man with a volcano on his head. Sorry? All good evil meetings must take place at a McDonald's. Yeah, it's, it's not... McDonald's? No, it's not exactly a McDonald's, but it's just some fast food joint that these things decide to meet at. I don't... I didn't pay attention to... Is it a McDonald's? Confirmation that this takes place in the same universe as I have a job as a part-timer? Unfortunately, I cannot confirm nor deny that possibility. Um, I didn't see any branding, unfortunately. But yeah, I hope, I hope that's the case. That would be kind of neat. But yeah, uh, the Volcano Headman, he 
uh, sets fire to everybody in the establishment very nicely, like instantly, kind of. And we find out that the Akatsuki are not very good people. And they plan on imprisoning Gaoju because he is like the strongest uh, Jujutsu sorcerer. He plans on imprisoning him in a a kind of like a cursed object, a relic sort of thing, a prison. Um, and that actually comes up at the end of the episode where the confrontation begins. And that's where the episode ends. But in the meantime, the first years are being trained for the upcoming school versus school event. Um, oh, yeah. Itadori is being trained by watching movies. And if he doesn't keep a constant stream of cursed energy going into a cursed doll, the doll wakes up and punches him in the fucking face. And it's really funny. And his his co-students, his the two other first years, are actually practicing like hand-to-hand combat and trying to get better. Whereas all, it's all about cursed energy and focusing for our main character. But yeah, really interesting episode. I'm really liking this show. I'm really interested to see how it goes, especially the confrontation between uh, one of the Akatsuki and Gaoju. Cool. Now, when you, I know obviously you're saying it's just because of the bad guys. Is there any resemblance to the Naruto Akatsuki at all by any chance? That's a good point. Uh, not really. It's just a mishmash of weird-looking villains that all have their own shtick. Um, not dissimilar to... Uh, what was that stupid... Uh, what was that anime with the ghosts and the non Lost Village? No, no, no. The other, Mob Psycho the other one. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mob Psycho. So it's kind of like in Mob Psycho how each of the enemy has like their own shtick, kind of like that. Cool, 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 cool. Well, do you have a rating for the show? Are you gonna? It sounds like you're still gonna keep watching the show from the sound of things. Is that? Yeah, it's sense? it's by far of. Of what we watch regularly, this is my favorite by a solid amount. It's it's really entertaining. I'd give it nice. a, like a at least an eight and a half, nine out of ten. Um, and wow. there there are no cats, but there is a panda, and panda is like twenty cats taped together for films. So I hear. So yeah, <laughs> really really solid. It's a good thing they don't want any horses because it makes it really hard. You got to get some cats. It's a whole. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, speaking of bears, I mean pandas, maybe panda bears. Ty, how is Kuma 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 Bear going this week? The KKK bear, huh? <laughs> the Grand Wizard Bear. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> so, there's a lot going on. But, basically, uh, Yuna wants to have eggs and realize they're only available in the first town she set foot into... So she sighs and thinks, wouldn't it be nice if I had a new skill that could help? And lo and behold, after beating the Black Viper, she gets the bear transfer gate. Essentially teleportation. But like, you walk through a bear gate. And it was so fucking dumb. <laughs> but it's so cute. Can I just say, I can hear the enthusiasm for once again, our main character having the solution plopped right on her lap. Oh, look. It's... Yeah, exactly. <sighs> It, it was so, like, frustrating because she was literally, like, lamenting about it. Like, oh, I want, like, it'd be nice to have those eggs. And she's like, oh, I wonder if I got any new skills after booting the Black Viper. Mm-hmm. And then pulls up her stats and she's like, what's this? A new skill. A new skill, yeah. Bear transfer gate? 
Uh, anyway, she gets her eggs and frequently travels to go eat there. The noble from last time stopped his aid to the local orphanage that's in that town. And so when one day when she was eating, she noticed the orphans were begging because, I mean, they don't have any money. So what do you got to do? So she offers, she offers them food. She goes and helps them, provides them some aid, changes their beds to wolf fur and all of that. So they're warm. She ends up basically setting up a business for them in like her town, I guess, where they raise coke cocos, which is like chickens, and they sell the eggs to the shops in town. And all the profits go to the orphanage because she's a cute bitch. <laughs> basically. Uh, the eggs, uh, the, the only stipulation she had was the eggs cannot be sold to the noble who refused to support them. Upon finding out this not uh, this piece of information, the noble was like, "How dare you!" And then was like, "I never stopped the support. What are you talking about?" But upon some research, he finds out that one of the ambassadors he had left in charge was embezzling all the funds. And yeah, they fired him, and he apologized to the orphanage offered to renovate their home as a peace offering, and it was just the overall sweet episode. I don't really... I don't I don't know. Mm, well, Ty, I know when we watched it, you were saying that it's, it's predictable. You were like, she, I want these eggs, and you literally said, she's going to get the power to teleport, isn't she? And then she looked at the list and it's like, oh, look, it's power to teleport. Yeah, it was literally like, at, at every point, I was like, oh, this is going to happen. And Zach was like, looks over me at me like, did you watch the episode beforehand? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was just really predictable. Mm. And I'm like, even though it's predictable, it's still really cute to watch. And I mean, it's still definitely something you'd watch with your children. Not mm. something you'd... Oh, I mean, I say that, but I'm uh, like, you know, seeking it out. So <laughs> we, we, we enjoy silly things, though. We enjoy a silly show. We enjoy a bit of a fun time. Yeah, that's true. And in these dark times, we enjoy a nice, cute, fun show. Yeah, it just depends what you're into, I guess. Mm, mm. That's fair. That's fair. Do you have a rating for any of the bears of the show or anything as a, as a whole? Uh, yes. Are you going to share that rating? No. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Speaking of sharing, I don't think there was a huge amount of sharing happening this week in Talentless Nana, was there, Daniel? It's a 6 out of 10, guys. 6 out of 10. <laughs> Bear... Actually, there was quite a lot of sharing, you lying bastard. Thomas um, <laughs> continues to be great. Um, this this episode, we learnt, uh, we continued on from the last one where she was found out by the prophetic uh, picture guy. Oh, yeah. And this man makes some choices in life, <laughs> let me tell you. He makes some real choices. Even worse than last episode? So, Rob... His plan, when he has proof that Nana kills people and is a prolific serial killer, is I'm going to blackmail you into being my girlfriend. As you do. No. Sounds like a Daniel plan, to be honest. The ultimate beta. I, I don't blackmail people to be my girlfriend. I simply pay them for the night. Ah, of course. I'm, I got confused. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> So sex jokes. <laughs> this this guy it like Nana has no sympathy for him and honestly the way that they've written him, no one has any sympathy for him. He's a complete douchebag. <laughs> and 
Uh, Nana inevitably, of course, kills him through, I think, Ty, you called it last week, uh, manipulating his watch and manipulating the photos. Yeah, but I mean, it's... I'm sure he f- he realized that and was just like, what? Yeah, well, he realized the, um, the, the watch, but he didn't realize the photo. Yeah. And Nana ah. kills him. Of course, twist! Just before he um, uh, Nana killed him, he managed to take another series of photos... One of which showed Nana being exposed in front of a body mm-hmm. to the immortal guy and um, the healer lady who heals by licking. The healing dog. Yes, the healing dog. <laughs> um, legitimately, she manages to talk her way out of it, though not good enough uh, that the immortal guy completely clears her. Mm-hmm. And the episode ends on a great cliffhanger of the healing dog finding the picture of Nana sh- shoving the now right off the edge of a fucking cliff. Mm-hmm, it's great. <laughs> and, yeah, uh... it's just like, oh, you're fucking dead, lady. You are. <laughs> Nana's gonna kill you. Yeah. She's gonna snuff out your tiny little corpse, and you're going to be an adorable dim sim, but you're also gonna be dead. <laughs> It's interesting timing because she happens to have already put together the file on all the people's powers. So she's basically yeah. useless to Nana now. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's fair enough. It's... The healing dog's gonna die. She's gonna be put down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll get the shotgun. We'll get, ready but, to get it behind the shed. Yeah, well, I mean, she's already at behind the shed. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna become, like, old yellow. But I no, honestly, if... Talentless Nana is still great. Like, it's, it's just great. Mm. It's fantastic. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. I wonder if the invincible guy is going to find her before she kills the healing puppy. It's the only way to save the healing puppy at this point is yeah. if Nana gets interrupted. Because otherwise she's dead. Like, mm-hmm. Nana will just snuff her out. But I feel like he's also trying to investigate too, so he's not going to go immediately back to the body. So it could really go no, either it- way. Yeah, plus he's also kind of an idiot. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he <laughs> he's got he, was... he's got some L level deductive reasoning from Death Note where it's like, well, the people are dying all over the world at precise times with no mistakes. That means it's one person, and if it's one person, it must be a magic notebook. Okay, he's like, well, there's all this evidence that proves that Nana's not a killer, but maybe she's still a killer. Also, he just tends to like completely. Like, ignore the obvious. <laughs> like, no, 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 this really is like, he like, I have that. It's like, hmm, yeah, actually, I can believe this story that's completely made up and mm. has obvious flaws. Mm. I choose to believe this. <laughs> it's, but it's also interesting to see them, like, the inner monologues play off each other. And it, they've done this really well. It, it's, it's continuing to be great and I love it. Mm-hmm. It's really good. I, I'm quite enjoying it. I think it's a great show as well. It is a great show. Can I quickly, I'd like to say something about Jujutsu uh, between this and the next episode. Just saying that now. Sure. Go for it. Ah, okay. Um, so in terms of stupid characters, um, our main boy in Jujutsu, when he's in the rain, uh, realm with Sukuna, Sukuna's like, hey, I'll make this deal with you. And he's like, I have no reason to believe you. I have seen your true colors and they are evil. And then he's like, oh, you've got me there, but this is a deal and you can take my word on it because that's how it is. 
Oh, in that case, I'll take your word for it. It's like, you just said you're not going to believe anything that comes out of his mouth because he's quantifiably evil. <laughs> and then he, like, the next sentence over, you're like, oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. It's like, God damn it. Sounds. I forgot about that. Sounds like you guys playing D&D. Like, this is a bad thing. Mm, it is a bad thing. But what if not bad thing? Ah, yes, of course. Not bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to bring us into it. Fun times. I mean, are we gonna are we are we gonna talk about Ven just yesterday and how badly you guys managed to just walk into a room and completely fuck things up, Rob? No, let's just leave that alone. That's that's not a, a conversation for today, unfortunately, because there's no cats. But you know what show does have a cat? Uh, with a dog and a cat, every day is fun. How's that going this week, Rob? Okay, so it's going as normal. Um, basically, our lady owner, she laments her lost futon, um, which has been lost to her cat and her dog. <laughs> Inu, Inu moves over for her because, you know, dog is nice and loving, etc. Mm. And as soon as that happens, owner's like, yeah, dog's the best, la la la. And Neko's like, what's this? Extra territory. Immediately flops over <laughs> and expands into it, blocking off the rest of the futon. Relatable! Um, so relatable. <laughs> and we have a really angry kind of, um, I don't even know how to describe it, like, fuck you, meow. Yeah, like, this is my futon, bitch. <laughs> I've, like, that story definitely rings true for me because our dog, he's a big dog. He's definitely bigger than we thought he was going to be. Yeah, he was meant to be a medium dog, or like mm. small to medium. Mm. Oh, medium, medium. He was meant to weigh about 24 kilos maximum, like big, oh, big. He's yeah. meant to be 17. Yeah, 17 in the low end, 24 high end. Oh, yeah. And he currently weighs 30 kilos, and he's still growing. And he's oh, not, that not was fat. like two months ago, too. Yeah, so we haven't weighed him for two months, and he used to weigh 30 kilos. He keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And every night, when he's on the bed, he decides, I'm going to sleep at your feet. But occasionally, he decides to sleep behind my back, where there's no space. No space whatsoever, so he pushes both Ty and I out of the bed. What, like, between you and the bedhead sort of no, thing? No, between me and the edge of the bed. He basically pretends he's a human. Yeah. And he pushes me out, though. He's like, he pushes me, and I push Ty, and then she's on the floor. <laughs> how? How? Legit, my how butt even? was sticking out of bed, and these fuckers were like, comfy, 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 and I'm just there like, I'm freezing my ass off. <laughs> it's a fun time. It's a fun time in our house. Please continue with the other segments. <laughs> it segment. do be like what, that. What were the other segments? <laughs> um, uh, we then go on to explore Inu's love for everything, including the vet, uh, because Inu is completely oblivious to the fact that dogs should not like vets um, and is too excited by seeing all the animals and all the people, um, as well as Inu learning to play fetch, which involves grabbing the ball after it's been thrown and shoving it into a slipper <laughs> for absolutely no reason. And the owner's like, where did you learn this? Like, where in the step-by-step -step process did you think this was the goal? <laughs> but the dog's super happy, so that's all that matters, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's so fucking weird. Whereas Neko also learnt a game, and that was, while the owner isn't in the room, you take an adorable toy and you gouge the fuck out of it and you leave its dying corpse somewhere in the room. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. That's, That's funny. <laughs> yeah, and, and we get another, like, evil meow, like, 
fuck your doll, fuck your possessions, <laughs> fuck you. Um, overall, fun episode, good time, mm-hmm. relatable to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, again, another cute episode about um, the quirks of having pets. Um, yeah. Nice. Really wholesome. Really, really wholesome. Nice, nice, nice. Rob, you mentioned earlier before the podcast that you, you're wanting to transfer the show over to Thai, is that right? Yeah, I, I don't feel I do it justice because I don't have any pets and to me it's kind of samey because it is. Yeah, well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I don't do it justice as a show, whereas I think Thai loves it much, much more, so she can probably accentuate those positives much better. Nice, fair I enough. Zach could also do that. I could, so I'll be taking over the show next week. <laughs> because I, just, I, I have enough shows. I'm just looking forward to you being like, meow. Meow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just letting the listeners know that we're going to have a change in the show, that's all. Uh, that's fine. So, speaking of dogs, how is Dogeza? I asked my cow towing time. What, how did that go this week? A show that you love. Oh, boy. A show that you absolutely love. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Can someone please kill me? <laughs> <laughs> so, this week in Dogeza. Dog- I asked for a cow telling. I asked, yes, I've forgotten. Uh, we talked to the librarian and she's recommended a book to us. All of a sudden, let me see your boobs. She's like, but they're just lumps of fat. See? And he's like, see what? She stands up straight, and her boobs jiggle everywhere, and she's like, see? And he's just like, I don't see anything. No way. No way. Yeah, he's like, I don't see anything. And she's jiggling away, and she gets annoyed and goes, see? Really high pitch there. (laughs) And they jiggled so hard, they bust out of her shirt, or like break out of her shirt, whatever. But is he happy with just a bra? Or is there a bra? I don't know. You gotta fucking watch the show because I am dying. <laughs> please. Oh, please. Somebody kill me. <laughs> I mean, no one's making you watch the show. It is fucking watch. horrible, but great at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I am making her watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do a change. So I'll take over with a dog and a cat and you can watch Dog Hazer. <laughs> How how long is Dog It's like three minutes. It's not long at all. It's really short. It's also... I don't know. I like it at the same time. Like, even if you watch it, I'm going to still watch it because it's so horribly good. <laughs> it's so bad. Somebody kill me. Somebody I'm, take over. Also, I'll keep watching. It's I'm super sorry, sexy. I'm, I seem to have lost the plot. How, when the hell did boobs get involved in this? I don't understand the shift into... The That's boobs the were in it the from boobs. the beginning. The sh- yeah, the, the show is about a guy looking, like, trying to see people's boobs. So he prostrates himself in front of any woman, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's just like, Honestly, let me see I your boobs. May have, I may have completely repressed that bit. Um, continue on as you were. Um, <laughs> no, no, I'm that was pretty here. much it. Uh, I'm responding to you ten seconds in the past. <laughs> Absolutely, that makes perfect sense given your internet lately. Uh, Dogeza, though, it's actually, there's two things that I really, I actually do look forward to with Dogeza. The f- opening song is fucking fantastic. The closing song. Oh, closing song, The closing sorry. song is great. Like, I would listen to that song all day, every day. It's a fantastic song. Dogeza, Dogeza, 
Anyway, <laughs> I don't know the rest of the words except for Onigashimasu! Very funny. Um, then the other thing I look forward to is there's a, in the closing credits, we can see all the girls that he does it to. And there's a McDonald's employee. And I'm very interested to see what that interaction is and how it's going to play out. Because is it going to be at the front desk when he's ordering McDonald's? Is that what's going to happen? I don't know, but I'm very keen to find out. Yeah, I think that's what's pushing me along too, because there's so many different types of goals there. And it's like, I don't know what to expect. Mm, it's very, very dumb. Uh, look, Speaking of things to look forward to, now I'm going to be going through Higurashi When They Cry New. And just let me just preface this by saying, this is going to be confusing and it's not going to make a lot of sense because the show <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense. And I'm very lost, and I don't know what's happening. It is so funny watching things with Zach. <laughs> Wait, you're lost? You nailed Rail Romanesque episode one in one go. This must be crazy. <laughs> oh, look, it's it's more just writing down what happened made it more confusing in my head. Because not a lot happens, but it's so much, like, callback from characters that we thought were dead and aren't dead. So It's because it's gone back in time to yeah. show you what's happening. Hmm. And you're just has like, it though? Has it gone back in time to show us what's happening? It, or has it leapt forward in time to a second telling of the universe? Something I want to discuss, which makes things even more confusing. You're so funny. So, <laughs> getting ready for the big reveal, you may recall that Shion, uh, so the girl Mion, who is in school with Keiichi, has a twin sister, Shion, that nobody's ever heard of. And no one in this tiny town knows about her. Despite the fact that if she was the twin sister of Mion, she would be in school with Shion because they'd be the same age. Now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the big reveal this week is they really are twins. She's just a girl that nobody seems to have heard of. <laughs> she doesn't go to school, even though she's the same age as Mion. She instead works at the Hooters equivalent. Because reasons? It's never really specified. She's helping her uncle. Because he needs help. But why isn't she in school? Why is she there every day? What makes her so special that she has to do it? Why can't Mion do it? Why can't they switch? Why don't they live one life as two people? Mion goes to school one day, switch it out, Mion goes to school the next day. Who's to say? Anyway, we don't get any more information as to what happened after Keiichi killed Reina, so don't expect any of that. This is all set prior to the festival. Oh boy. So, Shion is the younger twin and is enjoying spending time with Keiichi just to get under Mion's skin. And this culminates in her giving Keiichi water at uh, when they're sitting at the shrine just hanging out when Mion had actually gone to get them water, which, you know, gets under Mion's skin even more. Keiichi and the rest of the girls in the group meet up with the photographer and the nurse who will go missing after the festival. They explain the curse in more detail, but we don't really learn anything new, so they just go over the same thing again. Until they reveal that one person is killed each year in the name of the curse, and the person who goes missing doesn't go missing, they're sacrificed, wrapped in a futon, and sent down the river. So this confirms that it is the work of people, it's not some supernatural occurrence. And my phone has auto-corrected the name, so I'm not sure what the name is. What? The I'm suspecting a family called the Furude family. Yeah, okay, that's Rika's family. Yeah, so Rika's family, uh, which has corrected in my phone to the future family, which plays even more into what I'm thinking is happening. God damn it. So, we move into the festival. Keiichi is with his group of friends. 
but um then he loses them and ends up leaving with Shion to try and get a better spot to w- spot better spot to watch Rika dance but they go into the forest really far away from the festival and he misses her dancing completely essentially and Shion is actually following the photographer and the nurse they're breaking into a, se- a secret sacred storehouse which is said to contain the tools of the old, old tools for the ritual but that's where the episode sort of ends they're not no one's allowed to go in except for the Ferude family and for some reason the photographer is really insistent that Keichi goes in despite the fact that the photographer wanted to go in himself and now he no longer wants to go in doesn't thought, make I, a lot of sense I thought it was a let's all go in together no he says that Keichi will want to go and he'll stay on guard I am trying to figure out this show, so I'm paying attention to a lot of little details. So much so that I went back and I rewatched episode two when they go to the festival for the first time. Because in that episode, this is where the mystery is like stupid nonsense stuff starts happening. So do you guys have any comments on the breakdown of what happened? Do you need clarification? Because it's important. Yes. Personally, I already have a theory, and that is your observational skills surpass the planning of the writers and there's actually nothing going on, and you're just driving yourself crazy, that is my theory. Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, look, you, that's Rob. probably a good theory. Daniel, do you have any other theories that corroborate how ridiculously crazy I'm going? My theory is very simple, but it was the dog in the very first scene of the very first episode. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever suspects the dog. Ty, Ty, do you have any... Anything? I'm not saying shit, because I, I, you know I have a very vague idea what's going on. All right. Yeah. Okay, so... When he goes to... So this is the, the most recent episode. Episode 6, I think. 5 or 6. He is with the group at the festival. He completely loses the group. And he's lost and he doesn't know where to go to watch Rika dance. We see Rika walking towards the stage while he's lost. So she's already about to dance. And that's how they, that's that's what's happening. But the first time they went to the festival, Keiichi's hanging out with the group. Rika goes to dance, so she walks off. Mion and the blonde-haired girl's name, who I've forgotten, but she she goes off with uh, Mion to get a good spot to watch Rika dance. Oh, no, I forgot her name too. And Reina, who later goes on to kill Keiichi, gets dragged away by the crowd. And at this time, they're still friends. No one knows she's a murdering crazy psycho. So Keiichi goes off and finds Reina. Then he holds Reina's hand in the middle of a crowded stall area. And they walk up to where Mion and Blondhead Girl are. Blondhead Girl's name is... Satoko. Satoko. So Mion and Satoko are hanging out with a perfect place to watch Rika dance. Keiichi is holding Reina's hand. They walk from the stall straight to Mion, straight to Satoko. And they watch Rika dance. Now, it cannot possibly have gone that Keiichi would get lost and not, and not have anybody to hang out with. Because he has Reina's hand and he's holding her hand the entire time until he watches Rika dance. So, this coupled with the fact that Keiichi has memories of things that didn't happen, where he remembers killing Reina with a baseball bat when he actually killed her with a clock, leads me to believe that this is some kind of weird time loop and that when Rika dies, the time loop resets because she was in space for no reason. It's never been addressed again. And she, in things like Groundhog Day, Re-Zero, when the main character dies, they reset and the universe resets. So my thinking is Rika is the real main character, she dies, the universe resets, and that's why we're at the festival. 
with small changes, like this character Shion that no one's ever heard of before. You're so Everything funny. you just said hurts my brain. <laughs> Essentially, we watched Time Loop 1, we're now in Time Loop 2 because Rika died. That's my theory. Yeah, no, that actually sounds cool, and you make me want to watch it and have my own theory on it, because when you explain it, I get the gist, but I obviously I can't make up my own theory, but that sounds really interesting. Mm, and I'm obviously presenting facts that support my theory, so I could be presenting yeah, things, yeah, like, yeah, missing yeah. things that don't support it. I would suggest that you do watch it. It's a great time. Like, it's a fantastic show. The first couple of episodes are a bit like, oh my god. But after that, once the death happens, it's like, oh, I'm interested, I'm keen, I need to know more. Yes. yes. I'm not saying shit. I know, you're not going to say anything, Ty. You, you are a vault when it comes to this show, which is rare because normally you're like, ooh. This happens and that happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because it's literally one of my favorite shows and mm. I really want you to get the full effect of it. Because mm, 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 it literally mm, did the same thing to me when I watched it. Aha, so there is some kind of conspiracy afoot. Yeah, you gave away way too much there. <laughs> oh, no. Did I or didn't I? <laughs> or am I just going to send Zach crazier thinking that there is and this it's just going to be a simple solution? <laughs> Maybe, but there is no possible way the two events could happen at the same time because Keichi... Is unfair. Keichi goes with Shion while Rika is approaching the stage to dance and she doesn't stand around for ages to dance. She walks up to I the mean, stage. I mean, there was another, like, me on Shion situation. You don't know. But they walked away into the forest. There is no possible way that she got up to the stage, stood there for half an hour while he broke into a shed, and then started dancing. That sounds crazy. Who would do that? Nobody would do that. Time loops. Rika's the main character. Why was she in space? That was a bad place to put her in space because it says there's something happening. Moving on. You know what else is in space? The moon. How is Tonikawa over the moon for you this week, Rob? That was hilarious. Uh, good, but there's a third party in space, and that is your sanity, or the <laughs> remainder of it. Maybe. When I'm right, this is going to be blowing up the internet. Not really. <laughs> Not really at all. No one really cares about my opinions on this <laughs> Yeah, despite the fact that... Yeah, anyway, anyway. Despite the fact that it seems to be a remake of a show, and it's based on a manga, and I'm sure the manga was done, you know, 20 years ago. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um... Okay, so this is another cutesy episode about a couple things, cute couple things. Uh, in this episode, we have Nasa observing Yuzaki as she kind of has her night routine, uh, you know, putting her hair up in a bun and then having it fall out as soon as she falls asleep and rolling around and, you know, cute, sleepy stuff. Cool. Um, and he actually manages to sneak in a cuddle because she goes into his bed when she's like, drunk <laughs> like not drunk but like sleepwalking um and then he gets a few kisses in as well before she then goes back to her own futon um and this leaves him with a raging realization so to speak that he wants a double bed um <laughs> and he wants more moments like these that are really cutesy and so the convincing begins um, a lot of the episode revolves around that, getting a double bed, what that means for the apartment, whether they need a new apartment, is the first apartment too small, does uh, Yuzaki actually like the smaller one because it's more internet, internet, intimate, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, also we have another appearance of the younger daughter from the spa, 
who once more... Uh, sorry? Was it Shitosa? Shitose? No, no, no. This is the the younger girl from the spa, not not um, Yuzaki's adopted sister. Oh. Um, this this character from the spa consistently puts kind of anxiety into Nasa's head about what it means to be a husband and what it means to be a good boyfriend, and all the expectations that this girl has that she kind of projects onto their relationship. Um, so that happens again, and this time it doesn't cause too much trouble, luckily. They decide to go for a bigger apartment, but they realize they need a guarantor. And the most obvious answer is NASA's parents, and they don't know that he's married yet. Oh, so, oh no. Yeah, yeah, big, big oopsie daisies. Um, <laughs> so he calls his mum. And she flips the fuck out because her little baby boy is married and she didn't know and she needs to meet the bride and etc. etc. And her mum, uh, his mum, immediately clues onto the fact that he's only calling because he needs a guarantor. Like, straight <laughs> up. It's really funny. It's all over text message and, like, she. Her logic unravels his plan. Like, step by step. And she's like, well, if you guys want a guarantor, you're going to have to fucking come over here and visit and introduce us to your wife. Otherwise, you're going to get jack shit. Um, and it's really funny. This is like standard and... parents, isn't it? Mom, can I have food? Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, you're going to need to but help. It's in a really... <laughs> Some shit like that. <laughs> you have to come visit my house. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um... But it's really, really sweet, and so they end up making the trip down there via bus, um, and the whole trip is full of cute moments. Like, the whole episode is full of cute moments, lots of blushing from the newly uh, married couple, um, and we actually do have a couple of appearances from Shitos, or Shit... What did you call her, Daniel? Shit... Shit... Uh... Shit-tasa. She had a really good name Shitoto. for her. Um, Chicago. Yeah, let's call her Shih Tzu. <laughs> she once again stalks her adoptive sister and is once again plotting to break up their marriage for no conceivable reason other than having no life of her own. Makes sense. No judgment here. Um, and her maids are both like, yeah, we'll help because we're employed to help, but also, what the fuck? <laughs> um... So, yeah, and they actually follow them through the bus trip, like, in a car. Like, they got jack shit to do, these three women. I feel bad for the maids. <laughs> but, yeah, the episode ends with them getting closer to his parents, as in, geographically. They're not met yet, but, yeah, they're getting there. Nice. And I'm interested to see how this meeting goes. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's going to be very awkward and very cute. Yeah, it sounds. It seems like the kind of show that's going to be like, "Oh my god, this is you're the best bride for our boy." It's a thing, isn't it? Yeah, I I get that impression. Mm. Ooh, ooh. Also, also, going back to the theory that she's actually a moon goddess from the moon and not human at all. Bump bump bump. I like bum. this conspiracy talk. Um, let's, keep going. let's keep it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she she is like. I don't want to catch the train, let's catch the bus, despite the fact the train would be much better, 
She goes, I want to catch the bus because even the bus is an improvement from when it would take X amount of time via horse and cart. And he's like, why are you comparing this to a completely different period in time? Like, nobody uses that anymore. Theory, she's super fucking old. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so that's the only part in the episode that alludes to her mysterious past. And, you know, like the, the space rock from one of the other episodes. Why and, was she in You know, space? her being able to stop a moving van. You know, mm-hmm. just random shit. Mm-hmm. Common theme of the, look, anime creators, you guys can't keep using the same themes. They can't randomly be in space. We'll notice. We'll notice that they're randomly in space. <laughs> maybe. I think it's we just might obvious notice. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. So you, how would you rate the show so far? Are you still enjoying it? You're still ready to rip it together? Uh, I'm... I'm hoping that the the plot twist of what her deal is comes soon and it impacts the world because as cute as it is, I'm kind of getting over it slowly. Yeah. It's like, oh, yep, cute couple, cute married couple. Oh, yep, another cute married couple. Yep, cute married couple again. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's the same thing. It's all different instances, but it's like, I get it. They're cute. They're naive. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It's what now? Sound a bit repetitive. Yeah, yeah, but we'll. I'll get to the point where it's like, you know what, I'm done, but not quite there yet. It's still cute too. Hmm. Yeah, there's still lots of genuinely cute moments where I'm like, oh, that's actually super sweet. Hmm. Nice. Cool. Well, I'm actually kind of annoyed that they had the space thing in Higurashi. Um, because it, they never had it in the first thing, so it was a lot more harder to be like, okay, clearly something's up there. Mm, mm, mm. It's just annoying because it it makes it way more fun and way more interesting to kind of think about and be more like, what's going on? Hmm. Well, without it, I'd be very lost as to why everything had reset for no reason. Yeah. So it just took away a very, I don't know, it just it annoys me a little bit. Maybe it's a double secret double bluff twist where she doesn't yeah, have powers be. and it's actually just unrelated. Who's to say? Who's to say? Speaking of things that are unrelated... Was there any new relations discovered in anime Capybara-san? Oh my god. Guys. Guys. So, in the anime Capybara-san, Mr. Lama is paying a visit! Mr. Lama Lama. (laughs) And he... Uh, Is that supposed to mean something? You said that like, oh yeah, Mr. Lama, of course. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I am so... Classic character Mr. Lama who appears in every anime ever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Don't you know him? <laughs> no, it's just a llama, and it's just... He just wants to be included, and it's adorable as fuck. He eats their grass and lays on them when they want to snooze. And I love him. I, I actually love him. I want to get a llama. Wait. <laughs> when when the capybaras want to go to sleep, he lays on them, a llama. Is he killing them? No, it just looks like... Uh, okay, I mean, uh, probably, but... <laughs> Like, if, if it was reality, yeah, if it was reality, probably. But, I mean, it just shows that he's a big fluff ball, so it's I'm like, assuming... He sits on him like a chicken with eggs. Yeah. Mm. So it's like half sitting on them and warming them up and just... <laughs> right. He just wants to be included. It's cute as fuck. <laughs> and in one part, he helps get, uh, you know those little kokapi? Uh, they're like the baby capybara sons. He helps one get an apple. It gets on his head and he it bites the apple. But 
he gets distracted by a delicious piece look uh delicious looking piece of grass and just leaves the little cockuppy hang uh, dangling over there and it's just fucking funny it's adorable and infinity out of 10 more of this show please <laughs> fair fair enough that is all <laughs> <laughs> well was there anything super exciting infinity out of 10 happening in hypnosis mike rap battle division rhyme anima daniel actually this is again also another one that's really starting to become very very good um much like tunnel of nana uh the division battle is actually starting uh they've been kind of dancing around it and yeah as expected the division battle is entirely for the government to break up like the power base of the men and keep them under like lock and lock and key Mm. and under heel um but no one knows that except so i think it's fling posse um the guy with the uh, shakespeare dude the gambler and the fashion designer sounds like fling posse yeah it sounds like the leader of that is working for the government which was an interesting twist (sighs) Um, he seems to be actively undermining everyone, but that gets, that's just, like gets dangled away. The main crux of the thing is about the Buster Brothers, and they just try and stop a bombing. Again, it's relatively simple setup. Mm-hmm. The song at the end is sweet. It's just great. It's just nice and fun to watch. <laughs> but also, it's a new song. It's always a new song. We've they're always new yeah it's always a new song god damn it hmm. no they said they sang that last <laughs> one uh what was it the i'm the best one a few episodes ago they sang it they kept singing it i don't think i think you're remembering no I don't, I don't think that happened i think their songs are always about how good they are yeah i think their songs are always about how good they are and how they are top shit but i don't i think it is yeah. a new song each time hmm I remember us discussing this, actually, that the main theme of rap is fuck everybody else, my struggle, my life. Yeah. I'm so good. Well, this time it was actually pretty good that it wasn't about uh, necessarily their struggle. It was actually about bombing, and the, the bombing was taking place at an electrical grid, and there was a lot of electrical puns. Puns, you say? And there were also a lot of bomb puns. We, 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 can't, we can't let that slide. There was a lot of explosive puns. Mm, 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 I'm mm. like, maybe I'm getting confused because I listen to the raps like outside of the podcast and outside the anime. So I'm like, I maybe mean, I just... It, maybe. It could, they could be using, they could be using um, already established raps and all that. That wouldn't surprise me. I don't think they made, made brand, brand new raps for the anime. I have no idea. I just listened to them. And it was just maybe I'm getting confused because I listen to it a lot. Maybe I think I think you are because I definitely don't. I would have noticed if it was the same rap because that was a complaint we had in Yuri on Ice as well. Ah, yeah, true. Was that it was the same song, which was accurate. It was just very like, oh, okay. That's fair enough. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. So you're enjoying uh, Hypnosis, Mike Daniel? Would you give it any kind of rating? I'd give it one tanker of uh, liquid nitrogen over. Uh, free. Oh, wait. Sorry. No. Before we continue, before the rating. Did you see um, the name of the three bad guys and what they looked like? Yes, but remind me. <laughs> remind it was us. The monks, wasn't Say- it? Ta- they were from the Saitama district and they were all bald. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, that's why I thought they were monks because they were bold. Yeah, and they were the electro monks. Yeah, well, oh, bit, yeah. Bit, 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 yeah, yeah. Um, that was a nice little shout out. Um, but the rating is one li- uh, liquid nitrogen truck over a bomb. Nice, nice, good stuff, good stuff. Uh, well, <laughs> speaking of monks, I don't know if there's any monks in this show. Are there any sleep? How are the sleepy princess going in the demon castle this week, Ty? I mean, there's a cleric, so basically a monk. But also, <laughs> not at all a monk. Yes, basically, but also no. <laughs> um, yeah, so this was episode five. The female warriors return from facing the hero in battle. Uh, a harpy called Harpy. So fucking original. <laughs> a was harpy she a lady? Harpy lady? It was Can we a summon harpy. three of her in attack mode? Leave. That's exactly what I was thinking. God damn it. <laughs> Well, this harpy called Harpy wants to befriend our princess. She's interested in humans and always wanted to have a pajama party. So Sleepy Princess keeps rejecting her and it's it's really fucking funny, to be honest. But she rejects her so hard and... Uh, until she realizes that Harpy's wings could be used as a comforter. Feathers equals comfort. So they decide to have a pajama party. <laughs> Um, and she falls asleep in comfort, covered by the harpy's wings. Although it's much to the harpy's dismay because it's a very small bed. <laughs> Sounds Which, elegant. Are they like spooning, or how does this work? She's facing. She's on her back. Uh, the sleepy princess is on her back, and harpy is facing away from her, with her wings covering sleepy princess. <laughs> oh, like backward facing wings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like anyway, a harpy lady, Rob. Come on, you uh... knew the joke. Harpy lady has backwards facing wings. Well, that seg- uh, that segues into the next part because she was so uncomfortable in such a small bed. The princess wants a bigger bed. Oh my god! Is is she still using the bed that's made from the windshield that's like holding her up in the air as a perfect bed, or has she moved past that? No, she's. I don't know. It kind of resets every episode to like the normal bed she had as a prisoner so i feel like all of the stuff she's getting like the magic sword or whatever i don't even know because sometimes it alludes to her having the sword and the other time she's like oh i don't have my pillow i don't have my other stuff and it's like what the fuck is happening this is this this uh song this show and its continuity and I have no idea. I would love for this show to reveal at the very end that the Demon King has been taking her stuff and now he has the perfect bed. <laughs> that would be a great twist. That would just be a fantastic <laughs> twist of like, I was just using you at your time because I am a sleepy boy. <laughs> I am a sleepy boy. <laughs> yeah, so Harpy ends up telling her a castle secret. The horns that decorate and is used as a symbol to show that this is the demon castle is actually made of clouds. So they end up going up there, cutting a big piece of cloud and using it as her bed so they can sleep together. Excuse me? Clouds? How? Are these horns... Magic. Yeah, I want to know Are these how horns adorning well. the castle or are they just random horns everywhere made of clouds? They're magic. Okay. They, I, I can't remember. They said something about it. It basically condenses the cloud. Right. And it's Sounds super insane. it's super comfortable, so it's a band area, which is why it's a castle secret. But yeah, so they end up sleeping together, and it was comfortable, and she was happy. In the next part, we find out that the hero is making steady progress in, t- in rescuing the princess. 
He has defeated one of the Demon King's big ten. Because apparently there's ten strong bad guys. They're going from weakest to strongest as is customary. Makes sense. Makes sense. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> he should kill the strongest one so that there's no suspense from there on out. <laughs> right. You know what? That'd be so funny. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely ends up setting the next ten episodes at least because, you know. Ten commandments makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It's not commandments. It's just ten bad guys. They call it the Big Ten. Hmm. But in one of them, one of the Big Ten is like a really cute little wood elf kind of creature. Number one, for sure. Yeah, and Number she's... One. Capybara. Yeah, and she's like, oh, poor princess. She's so sad being in the castle. And everyone's like, fuck you, fuck her. She's the fucking worst. And then shows the wood elf a video of her brother, which is like a a tree stump being cut or like being hacked with a blade. And she basically kills her brother. And she's... (laughs) The princess kills her brother. Right. (laughs) That's unfortunate for the princess. The, wait, okay, I'm not saying that right. The princess kills the wood elf's brother, who's a, te- who's a tree trunk slash stump. She basically just shaves him off into rounds and uses that as a wood log bed. Yeah, it's unfortunate for the princess because now she's going to have the tree wood elf coming after her except, for killing her brother. Yeah, except that's not what happens because the wood elf is still like, oh, but we can't judge her because she's been whisked away from her family and her friends. And it's just like... <laughs> How are you a demon exactly? Why? I mean, aren't demons meant to be evil or like, you know, some semblance of... Did you learn nothing from... Spoilers, by the way, uh, for, the, for the Misfit of Demon King Academy. Did you learn nothing from the Misfit of Demon King Academy? Clearly. Where those guys aren't evil. They just want to live their lives and the Demon King is actually the hero of the story. I know. I'm You're clearly going to... I thought you were going to reference the devil as a part-timer, where the devil is just a man trying to make his way in a complicated world. Nah, before he went there, he definitely was evil, though. Like, that's that's un- indisputable. He was definitely a bad guy. Yeah. Oh, uh, but that was only, like, 30 seconds of the show. <laughs> <laughs> 30 seconds of the show, 100 years in showtime, whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, did you learn nothing from... from I have learned nothing. Voldegold, he was a good guy. I'm used to anime being full of stereotypes. So it was like, okay, so she's not evil. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> One might say they're normally full of millions of stereotypes. It is. Excellent. Well, speaking of millions of things. Oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I walked into that. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even see it coming. <laughs> Untouchable. Uh, how is I'm Standing on a Million Lives going for you, Rob? Um, this episode kind of annoyed me. No. Um, Why? Basically... Yeah, I know. We The first two-thirds of the episode explores the relationships between the three captors that are, like, religious heretics. No, wait, captives. Yeah, three captives. The captors, who are from a city called Deok, and I've labelled the leader of that group Deok Dude, um, <laughs> and everyone else. So, you know, our main characters, basically. Um... And it's all just exploring how, oh no, they're captives. Did they do anything wrong? Are we supposed to save them? Are we not? And it's basically our main characters trying to metagame their way to victory. Uh... Because their main quest is to cross the continent. But they also know they lose XP if they injure other humans. And then they think, well, what's going to happen if we let other humans die? Okay, so do we kill the captors? 
do we save the captives? Do we let the captives die? And it's it's not a moral dilemma for them so much as it is, how do we play this so that we remain strong and don't lose XP? And it's all just trying to, like, figure out what the DM would want. And, mm. or whatever his name is, like, the, the invisible hand wavy dude, basically. You know, whatever he wants happens, basically. And, yeah, basically, because they have this inter-party conflict about, you know, should you be allowed to burn people for following a religion? I don't know. Um, Definitely. Deok dude is like, oh, what's this? You don't love our beloved king. You wouldn't burn these people. How dare you? And he shoves them into a cave that is essentially a giant trap. Um, and that's where the episode kind of stops. They encounter a few things here and there, like... Um, a puzzle, and then, I guess, another puzzle, and then an arena. Um, cool. The first puzzle is overcome by a main character, Yotsuya. In the second puzzle, Yotsuya actually dies, but gets resurrected. And in the third puzzle, they're looking to fight a golem with sword hands. So, like, Edward golem hands. Um, <laughs> Edward scissor hands. But golem hands. <laughs> <laughs> it's obviously Ed Gold sword hands. Come on, man. Oh, fuck. That's right. <laughs> dude, dude, no. <laughs> but yeah, it's... It's not so much about the story anymore as it is how do we get the most XP while achieving the mission and what's the hidden submission and how do we not die and it's basically just a paranoid party trying to make their way through a world and it just kind of feels slow and annoying does that make sense i mean look as as an experienced person dealing with your min maxing as being slow and very annoying yes that sounds very very familiar makes perfect sense wait what do you mean you love min maxing and listen, it, it's always fun to min-max as a player. It's never any fun as someone who has to listen to someone else talk about min-maxing. Rude. Oh, no, it's not even that. It's not... It's I don't mind the min-maxing. Like, that kind of stuff I actually really liked in the TV show, on the anime. Like, when he was killing the goblins just to get a level up, like, doing that shit. I thought that was super funny. I'm like, lol, that's me. <laughs> um, Relatable. But in this one, it's more like... They're too scared to do anything wrong. It's like uh. they're being prevented from playing the game is what it is. Know. It's like, do we do this? Do we do that? I don't know. I'm scared, but we have to go along with the mission anyway, but we don't know what to do because the rules aren't clear. And it's like, ah, uh, wow, that that's kind of annoying. I wish they could like summon the dude and be like, look, can we get a fucking handbook for this world? Mm. Because they're having to figure out by trial and error and they're like well if we let people die what will be the consequence of that and yeah so it's just kind of like sad times for the party at this point i hope they overcome it and i hope it's i hope the world becomes clearer for them i hope so are you gonna keep going with i'm standing on a million lives it sounds like i might be losing a bit of its luster luster yeah it is but i still i still want to see where it goes because like i know roughly what's going to happen it's semi-predictable, but the part that I can't predict is how the world and their um, game master will 
interact with them, that's completely random, and what rules there'll be. So I'm looking forward to the world building side of it, not so much the relationships or the current, you know, labyrinth problem. Fair enough. Like, you know they're going to get out, you know they're going to make it just on time, basically, they'll confront the captor or whatever, but I am really interested to see how this world plays out, the world building side of it. Cool. Sounds like fun. Exciting. Is there any kind of, like, gourmet cooking or anything happening in the world of I'm Standing on a Million Lives on their adventure? Are they looking for, like, exotic meals? Unfortunately not. Like, they, he was a chef for, like, two or three episodes, and they had a lot of opportunity to delve into the micro world of cooking and weird niches, but no, they didn't. Why do you ask that, Zach? That seems completely out of the blue. <laughs> well, you know, obviously this is how it's supposed to be, but it's good to hear that we have one show about Adventuring Chef. Speaking of Adventuring Chefs, Daniel, I hear you've been watching Toriko, is that right? How about you go kill yourself? <laughs> how about you just die in a fire? These are great transitions. Yes, I'm I... a king of transitions, let's accept that. <laughs> we accept I've nothing. been watching Toriko. Nice. And if you're wondering, hold on, I don't remember there being a new a new show called Toriko. That's right, it's an old anime. <laughs> and it's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> the entire premise of Toriko is the main character, Toriko, and his sidekick, um, uh, Komatsu, who is a, an actual chef, Toriko being a gourmet hunter, are just hunting the best food. And it's it's your typical shonen kind of we're gonna see that big thing. That big thing is gonna get punched and eaten. <laughs> it's really good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just straight up fun and interesting. Toriko has a very simple code. He doesn't kill anything unless he eats it. Makes sense. I actually really appreciate that. Yeah, that's a... Yeah. <laughs> um, which means that, like, the general bad guys, he's not going to kill. But that giant fucking alligator? Absolutely. Mm. And the crux of the show is really just Toriko trying to create his ultimate menu. It's eight courses from, like, des- uh, start to des- um, dessert. And he tries to find the best... The best food and the best um, recipes and how to what cook. What was that? Start to dessert. I, Are you I, looking for entree? <laughs> well, no, because you know it's not. It's not just entree, though. That's the thing. It's um, there is more shit. Um, yeah, I mean, just like entree and like appetizer and all that. Honestly, I would love to know that. Like, I would love to know what's involved in an eight-course meal. So that is your homework. I you need to find that out for me. Uh, I can answer okay. that. <laughs> The, All right, the, Zach. The general answer on an eight-course meal, it's a lot of appetizers. It's a lot of entree. It's not really one particular main course. It's like you've got your soup course. You've got your oh, antipasti yeah. course. There's never a, like I've there is a it up main. Here. There, like, yeah, there is a main thing. But uh, if you've got it, if you've got information, go for it. Yeah, yeah I've, I've just pulled up the full course menu. So it's the hors d'oeuvres, the soup, the fish dish, the meat dish, the main course. The salad, the dessert, and the drink. Mm, mm, mm. Oh, this is interesting. I looked up something else, and something it says something different. That says hors d'oeuvres, soup, appetizer, salad, main course, palate cleanser, dessert, and 
Uh, excuse me for butchering this. Mignardies? Can I see that? M-I-G-N-A-R-D-I-S-E. I'm, I'm, I'm going ah, yes. off the... Um... Mignardies. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's meant to be like... I have no idea. I'm going off the um, Tariqa uh, wiki here. Ah, so the Tariqa. All... I'm just... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and at the time I've stopped watching, he's got two, if I recall correctly. Wow, that's um, quick, quick the... Well, no, no, he starts with one, and then mm. he finds the rainbow fruit, which is his dessert. And the rainbow fruit is a jelly that changes flavor as you eat it. Oh, that sounds terrible. No, basically... No, that sounds all, dope as they're, fuck. They're all fantastic flavors. It's not like you put it in, it's like, hmm. So this is now going from pudding to mammoth. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough. That sounds like fun. Did you take... Did you heed my advice and watch the introduction uh, big race with Toriko or the, the whole jump universe? Did you end up watching that? Zach, when have I ever taken your advice? Ah, <laughs> no, that, that's really fun. It's. I think it came out before the show actually came out. I think it actually premiered just before the show. Like They put it on and then it was like, oh, that was Toriko. And now here's the Toriko show. I mean, Zach, if I took your advice, I wouldn't have three ex-wives right now. <laughs> but no, I did not watch any of that. That's a shame. If you get a chance, you should watch that. Anyone listening should also watch that. It's a good introduction. I, I, good I definitely will. But I, the only reason I didn't watch it is because I completely forgot about That's it. That's okay. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. There's a lot to... Jump yeah. does a lot of those weird crossover things anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it's really hard. I mean, yeah, Shonen Jump, the video game, is basically, hey, you know all those anime characters from your um, your childhood? We put them all in one game, now pay us money. <laughs> they actually do that. Are you talking about uh, Jump All-Stars that came out last year? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. They actually, there's a lot of those games that have been coming out for years and years and years. They're like the J J World Universe or something like that, which is, yeah, they put all the characters together. They are a lot of fun. The originals were like 2D Smash Brothers. It was really, really cool. And you would honestly, go through honestly, and you it, would... it looks really great, to be honest. It looks fantastic. Mm. Jump Force itself was terrible. Do not play Jump Force. It's absolutely garbage, and no one should ever play it ever in a million years. I don't remember it. It's an arena fighter. So if you may have played the Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm games, yeah. it was like that, but it was much slower. Which I've noticed, I'm going to get on a little bit of a soapbox here myself, I've noticed that recently games that are being based on anime that are anime, uh, so are arena fighters like that, are getting much worse, and I don't understand why. Like the Money. original J World, uh, like I said, was it was basically a clone of Smash Brothers, but you were in a manga panel and it made sense because you had to break out of the manga panel to then kill the enemy, which was really cool. But as a as a offshoot of that, they then uh, Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm came out and those games are fantastic. They met, you run around the arena, you do a bit of punching, and then everyone's got their own unique abilities. It's really really cool. Mm. And two, three, four, and beyond for all those are really really good as well. But just, they recently, semi-recently released the My Hero Academia one. The original was so bad. Everyone moved so slowly. Building up combos was impossible. It just wasn't good. And it feels like a lot of arena fighters are following that sort of similar tactic. And it's just... Clearly it's people no like it. Otherwise it wouldn't sell. Or is it selling well, because of the name? I think it's selling because of the name. Because even before Jump Force, there was J, J World something. I have it on PlayStation as well. And... That's a lot more fast-paced, mm. but there's no locking ability. Like, the arenas are too big for your players, 
And so it's hard to keep track of where people are. And in some worlds, especially uh, the Gintama world, there's just so many buildings between you and the enemy. And you look over and you just like on the other side of the map, there's someone destroying a building and that building gets knocked over. You're like, but I'm here. Why are we so far away? <laughs> and why is there no clear indicator of what's going on, of, of where they are? Ah, uh, I see. It's just too big. So it just seems like the the ninjas, the Ultimate Ninja Storm games, beautiful, fantastic games. I would recommend everyone play them. They're a fantastic time. But anything else that's an arena fighter, especially Jump Force, I would avoid like the plague, which is a real shame because I was really excited for Jump Force. I thought it was going to be just a beautiful game, but unfortunately. Do you think it's? Do you think it's kind of like the casualization of games where a lot of a lot of games are losing their niche and their skill ceiling? So they're bringing the floor of the skill up so that anybody can play it, but the skill ceiling is brought down as well, so it's not as reactive, you can't get the same combos off, it's kind of like dumbed down? No, because in uh, My Hero Academia, the hero's journey I think it's called, the game itself is just not fun. So you play against the computer, and I was playing on the easiest mode because I couldn't figure out the combo system, and the computer was just dominating me. And it was like, I can't even get one punch off, but I, I can't get a single combo out of this. And I'm already at half health. I'm gone. Mm. So I don't think it's a skill thing. I think it genuinely is rush production. And I think it's just that the people who are oh, making it, right, are, they're right. not familiar with making those kind of games. Mm. Like the uh, like Jump Force was yep. a different story. I don't know why it was so bad. But the J-World, I think they just they tried something new and it just didn't work. But in the My Hero Academia, I think they just didn't understand the flow of the game and they wanted to get something out before uh, that season of My Hero came back. And then at the end of the season, uh, that season, My Hero Academia 2, of My Hero 1's Journey 2 came out. Mm. I haven't played it, but from the video and from the what I've heard, it's pretty much exactly the same problems. And also, that show doesn't translate mm. well to 3D. Like, Endeavor is one of the the top heroes he's got a flaming mustache a flaming face in the game it's like he's got a pool noodle that is lava colored that he's wearing it's not a flame so they haven't taken the care what do you have against pool noodles zach nothing but if you're gonna have a guy who's got a flaming mustache i want a flaming mustache not a flaming mustache pool noodle (laughs) (laughs) and the other thing is the story mode is also just it's not an interesting story mode it's the same story from the show with no cutscenes nothing and rather than have any kind of fun interactive it's just like here is a graph end of story it's not a great not a great anticipation a graph basically anyway that's my little soapbox over uh it's like there's a lot of half demons in this game development sort of situation how is yashihime princess half demon tie okay so i think this was episode five or six i can't remember now but this episode the the bounty hunter sends the girls to uncover disappearances at a temple. The three half-demon princesses, or well, like two half-demons and one quarter-demon, whatever, uh, head to a village that's near the temple. It's being overrun with cats. Well, oh, excuse me? my god. Yes. I expect ratings on every single cat. Zero. <laughs> Boo. The villagers ignore everything in order to tend to them because they're apparently demonic cats. The girls kill off a few before heading to the temple and like after killing a few the cats just naturally dispersed anyway because they're being killed. <laughs> run! Run! <laughs> yep. So at the temple 
they meet a monk and he says he hasn't heard anything and doesn't know anything about it. Uh, but like offers for them to stay the night so they can keep investigating. So they do. And they get ambushed by the rest of the cats. So after killing all of them, the monk tells them of a legend where a great beast was sealed over a hundred years ago under the temple. And that could be attracting the cat demons, but he doesn't know. So Moroha and Setsuna explore under the temple while Toa is locked in the temple in order to protect the monk in case anything happens. They look for this uh, sealed great beast and end up finding bones. And it basically regenerates into a monster, into a cat monster specifically. And anytime they cut it down, it gets it, it gets back into its normal shape. It just regenerates. The monk ends up being like possessed by a the the great cat beast demon. And Toa ends up learning how to basically absorb the demon energy with um without harming the monk. Which is really cool. It's a 7 out of 10. I'm fe- I feel like it's nostalgia, but it's like a good storyline in general. But goddamn, a lot happened in that episode, so it was like hard to summarize. <laughs> um, also, I had like a paragraph written because I was thinking about it last night because I couldn't sleep. And I'm like, why is this show sucking so hard compared to Inuyasha? <laughs> <laughs> it's not that it's sucking. It's just that it's... Sucking. Not as good as Inuyasha, and I'm trying to, and I was trying to think of why I thought that. I feel like it's not pulling me in as much as Inuyasha did. Inuyasha had very good dynamic between the characters and cut and the couples in the show, and even had like there was more beast kin like Kirara, Shippo, and Chishamaru's like little whatever the fuck kind of orc, <laughs> whatever like slave. I can't remember what it was. So it felt, it gave it that surreal, like, beast feudal era feel. I don't know, but while the story is good, it felt like, in Inuyasha at least, they, the relationship between characters enhanced the story. Whereas this is just like, okay, there's three girls who just kind of got to know each other out of the blue. Sure. <laughs> it could get interesting later, so we'll see. <laughs> Cool. There's so much things I'm leaving mm. out because I'm like, there's so much that I've written. <laughs> so, so I'm just going to leave it at that. Funny. You know, what would be cool is if, because it sounds like you got a lot of thoughts about this show. It's... It'd be cool if... It's, yeah. No, oh, no, no. It's not that it's bad either. It's a pretty good show. They have like, like with this episode, they've quite, they've thought through it, which you can see. But it's just not pulling me in. It's just too haphazard. To be fair, that could be explained later. So honestly, it's it's one of the worst things for like a show. It's like you've got an you've got an, a, a bunch of cool little bits here and there, but the mm. fact that you don't do anything with it and bring it all together into a coherent like narrative or just like mm. do something with what you have, not yeah. just. Lol, 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 here's a bunch of adventures, lol, 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 lol. Look, I get it too. They're trying to connect the two siblings, uh, Toa and Sesna, by allowing them to go on an, an, on an adventure to find that dream butterfly. So it's like, okay, so they're trying to make a connection there, which is really cool. But at the same time, it was just like so forced. Sesna 
basically was like, you're not my sister. I have no idea who you are. I have no memories of you. And all of a sudden she's like, oh yeah, come help me find the dream butterfly. Like there's, there's, I mean, it could happen, but it just, it was, it didn't flow properly for me. That's fair. Mm. Yeah, I feel that. It just feels like something's off. And look, I'm really interested in if, if it could be a, oh, well, it gets resolved later. This is the reasons why she said that. Or, you know. Or this is the reason why this and this happened. But mm. I just feel like it's just very rushed. Unfortunate. Yeah. But what can you do? Like, hopefully, the maybe that's just because they're trying to bring a whole bunch of stuff and be like, we're not Inuyasha. We're trying to do something different. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Which that's, I can't really hate on. Like, if you're making a show mm. like this, you would want to... Um, Re-establish uh, dif- yourself. Yeah, different and differentiate yourself from your predecessor. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like in this, for example, I, I don't know. Like with Inuyasha, for um, you end up rooting for the supposed couples in the show, Inuyasha Kagome to be together, or like you know Miroku and some. You know, it's it's just. You're like, oh, okay, let's see if this plays out. Or even with the rivalry between the two brothers, Inuyasha and Shishomaru, you want to see how it plays out because Shishomaru hates him so much. And then then eventually they talk about how their dad treated them and shit. And um, they realize, I don't know, it's basically huge character development for Shishomaru. And it's really heartwarming. And at this, it's, I don't know. But again, that's... Hundreds of episodes on Inuyasha, so this is only six episodes. Mm, mm, mm. So I think I'm just being impatient. Like, I want it to be great already, and I know that's bad. That's okay. It's just that I'm I'm, I'm not sure. It's all right. It, it, will, it sounds like we'll find out more as time goes on, won't Yeah, we? definitely, definitely. Yeah. I, I'm really intrigued to find out more, is basically what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you give me all the answers now? <laughs> yeah, basically I'm being impatient, and I want to know everything right Funny. now. And I know that's stupid, so... That's okay. That's Good. fine. Speaking of things that are stupid, who's ready for the upgrade of Digimon Adventure? Boo! boo, boo, boo me! Boo. Rob, Rob, please, do me a favour. Kill me. Just end me, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, soon. Soon, TM. <laughs> so, Digimon Adventure, as you guys may recall, and I may have left it out last week, and I do apologise... Uh, you remember Calamaramon? Everyone ringing bells for Calamaramon? Calamarimon! Yeah, I can't imagine what that yeah, would be. No, look, it's, it's unexpected for sure. No, but Calamaramon is still alive. So we thought they were dead, but they've just gone into hiding. And while they're still sucking all the data out of what we find out to be social media, which I think is fun, that social media is literally driving the destruction of uh, the world. Hey, hey, what are the chances? <laughs> but... <laughs> Awkward. We see that Calamaramon's not dead, and the effect of Calamaramon is that these ships are pulling towards a shipping port with absolutely no control, and they're going to smash right into it. That's the thing I don't know if I brought up a couple of weeks ago when it first happened, so I do apologize. There are a bunch of tankers headed towards a shipping port that's going to destroy the shipping port and be a massive explosion. The people on board the ship have no way of stopping what's happening, and the only way to stop them is to defeat Calamaramon... Our team of Digimon who are fighting Calamaramon currently consists of Kabuterimon, Togemon, Ikakumon, and Bergeron. All of a sudden, for no real reason, they decide now is the time to super digivolve. 
and they just, they digivolve into the ultimate forms, beating Calamaramon, and that's sort of the end of that sort of little storyline happening there. Meanwhile, as you may recall, Devimon had almost managed to capture the egg of Angemon, but hadn't quite been able to succeed so far. T- uh, TK has got it back, and it has dig- it has hatched into a Poyamon. Which is a little blob. It's a very cute little ghostly blob. I have information about Poyamon that I didn't know when I was watching the show as a kid that I'm going to come back to at the end of this review. Ah! I just learned it now <laughs> when I was looking something up and I was like, that's very interesting. Okay. So, uh, in order to try and fight back, Devimon evolve, digivolves into Neo Devimon. It's not really super clear how he does this without a trainer or a friend or anything, except there is a dark crystal. And Devimon keeps referring to Poyamon as his old friend, as like my old friend. And it's like, okay, that's odd, but I mean, that's just classic villain talk. You're my old friend. It makes perfect sense. Good to go. Uh, he, Devimon, before he digivolves into Neo Devimon, manages to really fuck everything up. Like, he just basically takes out Metal Greymon, he takes out Wegarurumon, and it turns out that that's because the miasma, the purple fog that's been around them, is essentially an extension of Devimon's body, and he's able to turn it into any kind of uh, appendage to attack, so they don't know where it's coming from, so they can't really defend against it. Metal Greymon and Wergarurumon are taken, basically taken to the point where they're taken out, and mm. through just the magic of friendship and positivity, TK <laughs> uh, uses the light of Poyamon to digivolve into something else, whose name I have... Tokemon. Tokemon, yeah. yes. So Poyamon digivolves into Tokemon, which is less than a rookie. It's still a very, very weak Digimon. But this is enough for the Miasma to be destroyed. And Devimon decides it's time for him to digivolve into Neo Devimon. Which he does. He successfully digivolves into Neo Devimon. And just really wrecks house for a little while. <laughs> just fights back. Fight, 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 fight. The tide of the turn, the tide of battle is turned. And Metal Greymon and Wegarurumon managed to fight back with their new abilities they got when fighting Omniskullmon. So, the big railgun and the mysterious wings that he's never had before. They fight back, they defeat Neodevimon, and we think that's the end of it. Except, dun dun dun, it's not. It's just, it's just not the end of it. And Omniskullmon picks up the, the Dark Crystal that was powering Devimon and... Basically brings him back from the dead, saying, you'll rise once more, and Devi- Neo Devimon rises once more. But they recognize that he's going to digivolve in the same way that Aizmon digivolved, where he's just going to use the Dark Crystal power, and he's about to basically come back and ruin everyone's day. That's where the episode ends. So that's a fun time. <laughs> uh, Ty and I are, oh, I am of the opinion, we are talking about it beforehand, that this show may be coming to a season break where this was episode 23 and they're at the point where the big bad is about to reveal his final form. So it seems like it's going to be coming to an end. But the thing that I found out today when I was looking up these uh, little names, because I'd forgotten them, is that names? the name, I forgot Neo Devimon's name. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yep. So I looked it up. Devimon evolves from Demi Devimon or Pico Devimon. Pico Devimon evolves from Tokomon. And Dokemon evolves from Poyomon. Wait, can you say that again? What? Devimon evolves from Demi Devimon. Dem- okay, Demi Devimon. Okay. Or Pico Devimon. Sure. Depending on what you're watching. But Pico Devimon digivolves from Tokemon. And Tokemon digivolves from Poyomon. 
Wait, what? So they're brothers? They are actually old friends. <laughs> and they're brothers. And I think that he was trying to corrupt Poyamon into, become- into becoming an e- another Devimon. That's actually and, a kind of a cool kind of link there. I, li- I like that. That's a really yeah. cool link. Yeah, me too. Yeah. There's me too. there's more links, Daniel. <laughs> there's way more links. Do you know another... So, Neo Devimon is not who Devimon digivolves to in the original series. He actually digivolves into Vamdemon in the original series, which is a vampire demon. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then Vamdemon X and Barbamon. We won't get any of that. But... <laughs> in the original series there was also the dark masters which were four mega powerful digimon one of those digimon is piedmon uh what piedmon piedmon yeah pied oh, pied oh, okay he was like a harlequin puppety marionette guy okay okay yeah 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 piedmon also digivolves from poyomon wait what the fuck so Poyomon is basically like a... I don't know if it's all the Digimon. I haven't done any more research because I found that out while you guys were talking about uh, Toriko was about all this. I don't know if all the Digimon can do that because Tentamon also has a weird evolutionary tree. But I just thought it was an interesting oh, here we go. connection. Poyomon evolutions. Poyomon can digivolve into Shakomon, Gomamon, or Kamemon. So obviously each has a base form and then they can just, mm. it's like a tree of evolution. Yeah, well, so as an, you guys won't be able to see this at home, but as an example, Ty, this is the Devimon evolution tree. Okay, so it's a It's, it's a tree. complicated. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's very, very complicated. complicated. But I just thought that was interesting and people might enjoy that a bit more now knowing that. Well, I, I was, had no idea. while you were doing that, I was looking up the levels of whatever they're called. So mm-hmm. how you were saying rookie and ultimate before. Yeah. So first off is fresh. So they're fresh. So mm-hmm. uh, first is the Digitama egg. Yeah. So they're in the egg form. Then they're fresh. So that was probably... Um, Poyomon. Poyomon, yeah. Then there's rookie. Oh, so, sorry. There's then there's egg. in training, which is Tokomon. Yeah. Rookie is probably going to be um, Patamon. Champion and then ultimate and then mega, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. what we know already. Yeah. And there's other, like, side weird evolution stuff like that. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. So I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, too, to see where this goes. Even Gatomon, who becomes Angelwoman, has a weird, weird tree. We won't worry about any of that. But I am still enjoying Digimon, but I do get the feeling we're coming to a season end, so you guys might be spared from more Digimon news for a couple of months. Thank okay. God. Thank you. That is... <laughs> Please. That is interesting. mm mm and I think that's the show, right, guys? We didn't have anything else we had to talk about. No other weird shows or anything. No one wanted to talk about anything. We can wrap it up We're there. We're done. Yeah. We can wrap it up. Thank you for listening to us. We can catch us at uh, equipperballeyes.com. <laughs> I suppose we should talk about the big, uh, the you know, the main topic of the week this week. Wait, there was a main topic of yeah. the week? That seems I know, unusual. It doesn't seem like us at all. We, we definitely don't make these ridiculously long episodes. <laughs> This week, we also watched our main topic, which is Beastars Season 1. Daniel, how was... What, what happened in Beastars Season 1? So, Beastars is... To give you a very quick comparison, it's Zootopia. Think <laughs> Zootopia, but geared towards furries. More than Zootopia already is. I was going to say, Zootopia, that's uh, it's very central, right? Funny. Yeah, um, it's about the Grey Wolf Legoshi and his attempts to woo the White Rabbit Haru. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they're in high school, and it's ostensibly plays out like a high school love story drama. It's kind of great. 
Mm-hmm. But I, I have some if I have to get on my hope uh, my soapbox on this. But if you guys want to go first, well, plot. Give us plot. What happens beyond that? What are the big events? What are the what are the big keynotes that we hit? The main plot is that Pem or is it Pem or Tem or what's his name? Tem. 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 Um, gets brutally murdered, <laughs> potentially mm. by a student at the school. Um, which we do, we don't actually, annoyingly, we never find out who, but I suspect that we'll find out in season two. Um, potentially. And it, you know, draws a lot of suspicion on carnivores. In addition, there is the Meteor, um, festival, which I think reveres dinosaurs as like ancient ancestors. I'm not entirely sure as to like what was up with that. I mean, they built a giant dinosaur, so that was always fine. (laughs) Yeah, and like, they seem to imply by some of the dialogue they don't believe dinosaurs existed. Like, that they were kind of myths of legends. Hmm. Makes sense. I'm just thinking about it, I don't I think we way. saw a lizard. Sorry? No, we, no, we, we definitely saw... We did see definitely see some lizards. Yeah, were we did. Were they lizard people or were they just lizards? They, they were... Just yeah, lizards. they were just lizards. Like, um... I mean, we saw hmm. chickens, and chickens are... Yeah. But we definitely. No, but I was just just thinking about it. We didn't see any lizards. It was just like, no, oh wait a second. No, I think we definitely saw some lizard students. Um, I thought we did. Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay. But I also know for a fact that lizards do exist in in the world, like mm. as people, as as like Lagoshi and all that. Fair enough. Um, well, and the other. other... Oh yep. I was I was take over because we we didn't have many shows this week, so we should probably tag team this Beastars uh, introduction. So the other uh, major events, I suppose, would be that Legoshi nearly eats Haru in, like, the first or second episode, where he smells her scent, and he goes just absolutely bananas crazy, and he chases her down, grabs her, but decides not to eat her in the end. Uh, doesn't decide. He more snaps out decides of it. Decides not to eat her in the end by snapping out of his crazy problems. And then, so, Lagoshi is the one of the stage designers as part of the acting club. And their job is to keep the actors safe at all times. Mm. And we have... I don't remember the character's name. The deer. I'm blanking on his Lewis. name. Lewis. Lewis? Yeah, Ruiz. Rui. Yeah, Ruiz. Is it Ruiz or so, Lewis? I think it's meant to be Lewis. I think it's, like, Louis. Like, French Louis, but with an R. Because all the, um... Uh... Netflix subtitles says... Lewis, but mm. everything else I can read says Lewis. Yeah, well, R and L are sort of interchangeable when you're talking with Japanese. Mm. So you don't, it's not really Ra and La, it's like Ra. Yeah, it's like a combination sound. Yeah, so they don't really have an R and an L. So it's all, it could be both, or either, or neither. But either way, uh, so yeah, Lewis joins, or he's he's the head, basically, he's the star, and he's going to become the B-star, which are like the champion celebrities of the universe, essentially. They're the heroes. And he's going to be the next B-star, that's his goal. There's never been a herbivore B-star before. And Lugoshi decides that he wants to, you know, live his normal life, not be a carnivore. He just wants to live as best life as possible. And falls in love with Haru, the rabbit, as Daniel mentioned. Who is a bit of a sleep-arounder. She likes to sleep around a bit. And she's sleeping with Ruiz. And then that's really the combination. Uh, nothing else major happens. It's not like he goes into and fights the big mafia who are run by the lions. There's a 
Yeah, that would be ridiculous, mm. especially if he came out I alive. Know, right? But yeah, there's a black market where we find out more about how this world stays in shape, stays in operation, where carnivores do eat meat, but it's at the black market where pe- people have meat somehow. It's not really given They're any bread. information. They're bread? Oh, they are bread. Yeah, because yeah, Ruus, Ruus is, is one w- of them. Yeah, Ruus was a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. They kill children. <laughs> Let's... Yeah, basically. <laughs> Yeah, so they do, we do find that they breed people specifically to be eaten, and Ruus goes in to try and save Haru, who just is, happens to be kidnapped by them because she's a white rabbit, and saves her. Really? Yes. They did that to put uh, Ruus in Legoshi goes in. Oh, yeah, there you go. Did you not remember the mayor was being all like, yeah, this is our deal? Honestly, I just completely didn't link the two events. I was just like, of course she gets kidnapped at the festival, because the power goes out, that's the perfect time to kidnap people. Happens to be her. Yeah, fair enough. I didn't make. I didn't notice that it was specific. She actually gets kidnapped after that as well. Yeah. <laughs> they fix the power. It's the yeah. next day, and then she gets kidnapped. <laughs> Gosh, sir, were you even watching the show? I was, but it was a few days ago, and we watched some other stuff since. Oh, then. we watched it like as soon as we ended the last podcast. We were like, let's watch this shit. Mm, 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 mm. So we... I don't remember the the exact sequence of events, but essentially, uh, then Lugoshi goes and saves Haru, mm. kills the lion. Fights his way to the top of the mafia. He has a panda, a panda psychiatrist who decides to help him. Also known as the greatest character that has ever existed in media. (laughs) Right, right. He is a panda psychiatrist that uses a bamboo crossbow to kill lions. It's just fuck yes. It is. It is very, very cool. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Uh, And then. Nagoshi and Haru have to spend the night in a hotel because they can't get home because they missed the last train. They end up, I wouldn't say falling in love, but they end up exploring trying. a relationship. Yeah, trying to do certain activities. Mm, 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 mm. And that's, unless I'm missing anything, that's pretty much where it ends up. They get back, they, yeah, get back? They get back in the end? Yes, they do. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask uh, you guys. How would you interpret the final scene? I didn't know what to make okay, of it. Describe the final scene to me. <laughs> so, Legoshi is chasing Haru up the stairs, and she's like, no, we cannot be together. And he's like, no, we must be, because I have a boner for you. She's like, but we are rabbit and wolf. And then they kind of hold hands, and then she she pulls her hand away in the final moment when he says something. I forget so the exact I, phrasing. I actually watched this, this morning... Um, because I'd run out of time. Um, what basically happens is Haru's like, no, 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 we can't be together. You still want to eat me. Like, you're a wolf and you haven't um, overcome your instincts. And Lagoshi's mm. like, you're right. I I do still want to eat you. But I'm getting better. And, mm. I'm, and, I, will be stro- and, and, and <laughs> I will be stronger. And I will get stronger to be with you. And Haru... I will want to eat you in other ways. I promise you, my love. We can be together. I'm only just a little bit racist. (laughs) Haru basically goes, I'll wait for you. Like, that's the final Mm. scene. It's basically, we can't be together right now Uh, because you want to kill me. But when you get over that little um, hurdle, we will do the do anytime you want. Hmm. That makes sense. And I've skipped over, obviously, the other grey wolf that joins the acting club because it wasn't really... Super relevant. You've also skipped over mm. um, the ending of uh, Lewis's particular arc. Mm. Mm. If you are, if, tell me more about Lewis's arc. So Lewis's arc is basically 
he he wants to be the B star, and he was he was born as bait. He was born as a bait child. He was born to be killed. Um, mm. And his entire goal is to be the best. He falls in love with Haru, who treats him as a decent person and not as like God incarnate. Mm. Then Haru. Would you say he falls in no, love? No, he with definitely her? does fall in love with her, but. His ambition basically blinds him to that. He then snaps yeah, out of it yeah. and realizes, no, actually, I'm going to go help save Haru. And in the aftermath of Legoshi and the Panda's complete destruction of the Lion Mafia, Luis comes in, holds the Mafiosa at gunpoint, makes him beg for his life, and then blows his head off. Hmm. The final scene of Louise is the Lion Mafia so running good. in and him doing a Bolivian army ending. And then he yeah, was missing. It was so good. No, it was yeah. um it was basically um you don't see what quite happens. Like it's yeah. it's implied that um yeah, Louise yeah, yeah. went down fighting and killed, but we don't see so there is the potential for him to come back and um spoilers he's coming back. Yeah, that's what missing is. <laughs> I think Daniel meant more he was missing his shots. It sounded like missing as two words. Ah, oh, right, 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 mm, right. Mm, mm. We don't know where he is. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And that's that's pretty much the rundown of V Stars, I suppose, in terms of plot points. Did you so I wanted to get on a little bit of an animation hiatus because that's my problem. What did you think of the show, Rob, before we give Daniel his soapbox? Uh I really liked mm. it. I I really enjoyed God I I really enjoyed it in general. I thought the the plot was interesting. It had an interesting world society like even the hen egg laying subplot. It's mm-hmm. like completely unnecessary but explores an interesting aspect of things. Mm-hmm. The black market, uh instincts, their particular traits. Um so like the panda can eat meat or bamboo or whatever. I don't fucking know, but birds can fly but they need to get a license like just random shit like Mm. that that's like that's really neat um i really enjoyed the world i enjoyed lagoshi's turmoil his struggle his uh coming to terms with who he is and what he is um yeah i i thoroughly enjoyed it i i really like the opening animation sequence as well as the music Mm. um I thought the duality of the opening um, was really good, and I loved the use of music, uh, especially just the naked piano, guitar, and there was one other instrument. Um, Oh, the, um, I want to say drums? But anyway, especially the piano, it reminded me a lot of uh, Ghibli movies, especially Howl's Moving Castle. Mm. It was really peaceful and relaxed and nice and um oh the trumpet that's the one so guitar trumpet and piano so trumpet for when it was a dramatic scene but anyway yeah i liked a lot about it Mm. i liked a lot about it and i felt the characters had a lot of depth you knew who they were and the direction they'd Mm. take i liked the interplay between them especially um the lion and uh legoshi when he had to step in when Rui um, fucked his ankle mm. up. Yeah, I really enjoyed this show. Yeah, good. I'm really glad. Thoroughly, Ty- by the sounds of it. Yeah, Ty, what, what were your thoughts before we 
continue to talk about it. Did you enjoy the show? Uh, I actually, I feel like Rob covered that solidly. Yeah. <laughs> but the only caveat, uh, not caveat, uh, the only thing I'm a bit mad on is the fact that I tried to watch this ages ago and I stopped at episode two. Because when we were watching it, I was like, oh yeah, this is where I stopped. This is fucking weird. <laughs> and then we were like, oh, well, we have to watch it. So let's watch it. And it gets, it's so, so good. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I feel like the initial, like, super sexual nature of it really, like, took me, took me back, uh, took me back. So, I regret not watching it before. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Fair enough. Because this is definitely so good that I'd watch it a few times. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, like, like I said, we're going to get to Daniel's soapbox in a second, so I wanted to get my thoughts out there as well. I really enjoyed the show and I thought that it was enough for me at least it says a lot about it that I wasn't dreading the animation mm, that's when we true. started watching it I hated it I could not stand it and we we're just like oh this is 3d is bad it's not good but as the show went on I was like this is they've done the 3d well their characters have clearly been designed for 3d which is a big issue where normally they're not designed for 3d and the the extra care has been taken to make sure it actually fits I really, I really enjoyed that they did take the animation that I don't like, but used it really, really well. And the story really helped with that because it was like, this is interesting. I want to know what's going to happen next. I want to know how Lagoshi's going to deal with his attraction to a rabbit. Mm. I want to know mm. how it's going to, what, what's with the black market? It strung me along and played me like a fiddle, essentially, in terms of being interested in the show. What's a fiddle? Mm. It feels yep. like yep. a, not quite a violin, but like a violin, like a really terrible violin. Right. Okay, Daniel Soapbox, let's go. <laughs> okay. First, what did you think of the show? Well, that, that's the start of my soapbox. I didn't really enjoy this show. Um, <gasps> every, honestly, it is the fact that the animals are far too human that um, basically put me off, especially when it came to romantic mm. advances and talking about instincts and all that. It was far too bestiality, basically, for me. However, this is a fantastic anime. This is a uh, I love this um the fact that the writing there is character development. There is actual mm. action. There is pathos. There is emotion and the really main thing that this entire thing proves is just how shit Dan Machi is. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I didn't like this. Oh my gosh. I didn't like this. And this was not an anime design for me. However, I can still recognize good writing. I can still recognize good de character development. I can recognize when there is actually decent animation. Even though the animation put me off at times, I can see that this is actually designed from the ground up to be designed around this kind of animation. However, Dan Marchi's got none of that fucking shit. Dan Marchi... <laughs> we'll, we'll leave Dan Machi in the past. No, we won't, but that's, we won't cover Dan Machi. that's the thing. It is a very good <laughs> you parallel. Can't forget. No, it because it shows pretty much all the faults that Dan Machi had. This doesn't, and they have the same kind of bag where they are animes that are not designed um, or not marketed towards me. But one has quality in. B-Stars, if you take Lagoshi and Lewis from episode 1 and episode 12 and take them out, you will have two different characters. There is actual growth and progression in their stories. Haru, 
has progression and growth in her stories. The world changes mm. and grows and understands. We have world building, like Rob said, with the flyers um, license, the hen laying eggs. Fuck, just mm. the students ignore, ignoring like basic laws because they want to stick up for their mates and all that. And hell, Bill, the tiger, being a dick. Oh. <laughs> it, it ultimately comes to nothing. But again, just mm. the fact that he has a little bit of lamb's blood. Um, or rabbit blood, I think it is. Mm. And again, a parallel of the love interest for the main character is a very promiscuous woman. But they don't undermine any of that by suddenly making the rabbit a surprise virgin in the middle of it. Yes. Yes. They handle it so well. Mm. They also don't slut-shame Haru, which is really impressive. <laughs> yes. Oh, they, yep. the I girls, mean, they humanize the girl it. The bullies do try to slut-shame her a little bit, but it just doesn't really work out. Yeah, but that's not... Yeah. That's, there's a difference a character slut-shaming another character to the show slut-shaming the character. You can obviously like there's going to be, because it's you know it's an actual world. There are going to be people who hate the fact that she's so um, promiscuous. But at the, but there's a difference between that and the show going. This is immoral behavior. You should hate this, which is bullshit. <laughs> it as much as like again, I don't, I didn't like this particular show. It's like I said, the um, bestiality aspect took me right out. It would be different if they would if they treated it like basic human romance. I think I'd be okay with it. But the fact they go so deep into instincts and how much uh, Lagoshi really wants to eat an animal, um, it just basically <laughs> put me right out. But I can see the quality. I can understand the quality. I can understand why. I people mean, love I just it. used. I just used that as an analogy of like for humans too so humans are like that and people tend to be very like sex crazed and they have instincts and i thought it was a thing of rape and stuff like that where he was like trying to eat her and but i mean rape also exists in the universe I don't well know yeah i mean but that's how i kind as, of saw it as as um evidenced by the fact that the old lion was about to rape haru um, and until Lugoshi yeah. fucking yeah. Superman in through the window, which again, great fucking scene, loved it. <laughs> um, and even stuff like minor character things, like in the final fight between the lion and Lugoshi, Lugoshi apologizes not to the lion, but to Haru. Like, hey, I'm sorry for what you're about to see, but like, I have to do this. And then goes full on just wolf mode and fucking kicks the guy's ass. Mm, mm, mm. It's every part of it. I, I can see the love that has gone into it. And the actual quality yeah. of the writing and animation and production. I just... It was entirely just that one aspect that took me out of it and it, I, ruined my enjoyment. But I'm not saying that this is a bad anime by any chance. I highly recommend it to everyone. Y'all should watch this. It's, it's fantastic. But it's just... It's a weird recommend for sure. It's it's weird, but, you know, like, if you can get past that, I think you'll love it. Um, mm. it because, again, the writing is spot on. Lewis's entire arc is great. Hell, even minor characters um, get, like, their moment in the sun. 
And honestly, most importantly, and I cannot stress this enough, there is a panda with a co- uh, with a bamboo crossbow, <laughs> and you just need that in your life. <laughs> I quite the panda was a great character. I quite enjoyed the uh, the whole situation where he's trying to help people get through their carnivore instinct, and he's like, "You clearly ate something because you passed out in the black market. That means you ate something, and let me help you get through it." And he's not judgmental. He's not like he's not causing grief or anything he's like look you need to figure out if you're actually attracted to rabbits or if you just want to kill her here have some have some rabbit porn find out if you actually want this or if you just you know are giving into your carnivore mm. instincts i like oh that. my it's god when his puppy friend finds the rabbit porn mm-hmm. yes <laughs> guys yes so funny <laughs> it was so believable as it was like that's how i think high school students would react to finding that kind of thing as well yeah mm-hmm Mm. Sorry, I, I, for, I quite I've forgotten it. how they found the porn. I'm sorry, I've completely forgotten. No, so the the, the dog who is uh, what is yeah, yeah. Oh my god, what is the wolf's name? Legoshi. 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 Yeah. Legoshi. The dog who is Legoshi's roommate lends him a manga, and he wants to read it again. So he goes through Legoshi's stuff looking for it, and he finds the porn, <laughs> and he's like, "Oh no, what is this? What is happening? Why is Legoshi looking at rabbits?" So oh god. Oh my god. So but good. again, so good. it that's fantastic, right? Like, mm. as much as I didn't like this, because again, like for example, the at the end of episode two, surprise rabbit sex, um, mm. the almost rape of um, Haru by the lion, um, the almost um, sex that her and Lagoshi have in the in the hotel room, um, mm. it all just really put me off and. But I mean, that's fair. When we, I presume, eventually do epi- um, season two, I'm not gonna dread it. Like again, mm. yeah. Sto- Story wise, this is great. Like I, it's like if you take out, like if you just assume that they're humans and like, as I mostly do, listen to audio, it's great. I can't say anything because I feel I felt the same way you did when I watched it the first time, because I was really like. Not even, like, unamused, just, like, the overall feeling was just sex, 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 instinct, uh, like, mm. all of that. And I'm like, I I just want some good stories, man. I just want some good character <laughs> development and some, some plot lines. And I mean, <laughs> and really, that, that is there, right? Like, the, the sex is only... Oh, no, no, no yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, it's only yeah, there for, it's like, three the sex three is thrown at you first. Yeah, it's like... And it, it comes so out of the blue, which is kind of the point, right? Like, Haru just assumes that Lagoshi wants to get mm. down, so she starts, mm. you know, undressing and all that. Mm. And that's entirely the point, but it's more just... I... Yeah, it's not... I don't want to see that. I don't like watching that. That's not entertaining for me. Mm. Mm, yeah. But um, I will say, yeah. just also in terms of story um, writing and, like, character stuff... Hearing Haru, yep. sorry, Haru, hearing um, Lagoshi's thought process of how do I get out of this situation? What what is the best line to yeah. say? That's fantastic. That's a great that's a great yeah. plot device. I love that. Give me more of that. Give me more of the characters' yes. inner monologue of just how exactly am I getting out of this right now? Hmm. And and usually anime does that a lot. Like you always see like nervousness or anxiety mm. and then the character goes on like a 30 page monologue in their head but it's all rushed unclear but this was like actually 
oh my god, what's happening? How do I like it was it was relatable. Mm. Like it was human. It wasn't like over the top dramatized stress situation la la lol. It was this makes sense and nothing more and nothing less. Yeah. It was really really good. I like that and I also like the fact that it was basically in real time. Like yeah. a lot of the time they'll be doing that sort of oh what do I do what do I do what do I do yes. and then it just cuts to the conversation yes. still going on. But it was like he missed the whole conversation. He has no idea what's happening because <laughs> he's trying to find exactly. out what to say. It was like that is classic high yep. school student full of anxiety. Oh. Oh, high school student. Yeah, like high, high school only. But oh, that's awkward. I'm like legitimately related to that part so hard because I'm like, I overthink so hard sometimes. And it's just like, oh, fuck what was said. And I'm like, oh, God, so relatable. So, so relatable. Dude, I, I still do that all the time. I'll be in a full-blown conversation with someone and something will just train track up oh, derail. I'm going the other way yeah. now. And I'll rejoin the conversation five seconds later. Like, oh fuck, I fully just I missed something. Went on a sidetrack. Yeah. Fair enough, that's fine. <laughs> uh, was there any like my favorite scene of the whole thing was probably the stage, all the stage stuff because I like stage stuff. Oh uh, yeah, you were in the yeah. Yeah, I was not not negotiating, but I was in the backstage stuff in my at school doing the backstage stuff, and I really liked the fact that it was like, yep, he's gonna go on stage and do the performance. And just how off the rails it went the second time when it wasn't Ruiz in the costume. And I was yeah. like, this is mm. completely insane. Well, yeah, also the like that fight between Bill and Lagoshi on that stage mm. was kind of great. Yeah. yeah. That was brutal. And then the, the improv by Ruiz is like, mm-hmm. okay, this has gone completely wrong. I'm going to go fix this and I'm going to get to it. I really liked the character of Ruiz in general. He was so dedicated to everything. He's like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to be the best. I'm going to get there, even though I had a terrible start in life. And to go back and be like, oh, my name is number four. I was, I'm here to be, like, I was braced to be killed. Really just stood out to me of like, wow, this is a strong character. Did you want a spoiler or did anyone want a spoiler for in the the manga as to what happens to Ruiz? No, boo. No spoilers. Okay. Spoilers, no. So he becomes basically a mecha god and becomes the moon. And then destroys the entire planet. <laughs> Look, I believe it with this show. It doesn't Wait, seem completely out of the realm of possibility. That's the outcome to Tony Kawa. <laughs> yeah, but did you guys have another? Like, it, did you feel silly about the reason? Did you have another character that you it sort of attached to? Of like, this is a great character or a great scene? Panda, 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 oh. panda. <laughs> Rob, I really like Legoshi just because I took the the uh wolf rabbit the whole instinct thing i took that as not only as uh, ty said as a kind of rape instinct thing but also as homosexuality or anything non-traditional uh man woman relationship mm-hmm. so i interpreted it that way and i thought it was really interesting because uh, yeah there were a lot of parallels there that i appreciated and took away from that and navigating social situations like that like i feel like a lot of like i know a lot of people do this but i feel like a lot of my social interactions growing up were very constructed they weren't at all natural and it was very much a breaking out of that um rigid self uh censorship Mm. 
into something a little more uh, independent and carefree, I think. So I really liked Legoshi's character. I really like how he transformed over time. Yeah, I like that too. Just, just, I laughed so hard internally when Daniel was saying panda, 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 because all I could think of was that song, Designer, uh, Panda by Designer, where he's just like, pen, panda, do you know? I love that song. And I'm just like, since when did Daniel become a rapper? All of that hypnosis mic is taking effect. <laughs> Please, I have mad skills. I flow like the best of them. <laughs> oh, it's Funny. fantastic. Uh, Ty, did you have a character or scene that you really thought was just like a, a fantastic scene or a fantastic character that you wanted to build upon? Oh, I don't even know. I I don't know. I really liked when um, Legoshi was talking to Haru the first time and about this getting the flowers for the festival. And she was like, uh, he's just awkward thinking through things like, oh God, this is a herbivore. Oh God. Oh God. What, how do I, how do I talk to this thing? <laughs> and she's like, oh, he wants sex. Of course. Like, why am I? Like, <laughs> why you know, am I surprised? Why am I surprised? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she strips, and he's just like, what is happening? Is this a herbivore thing? I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Dude, I love that scene as well. I really like that scene. And to me, like, I'm sad to hear that it threw you off, Daniel, because it drew me in. And I'm like, wow, this, this show is going in deep, and it's going in fast. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's so funny. God damn it. I, yeah. could, I couldn't, like... I feel like it got less sexual for me. It was more... After the first two episodes, mm. it was more about like how you were saying before the character development, um, the plotline, and everything. It was I, just I definitely agree that it did, it, did, it did get less sexual. It was just that initial scene of like surprise rabbit sex that just kind of yeah threw yeah me definitely <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that was probably I'm guessing that was intentional by the writer to be like, look, I'm gonna do something just shocking to get people's attention. Yeah, and then we're gonna tell the rest of yep. the story that we want to tell. Mm. But I do like that it didn't disappear. Like it didn't, Haru didn't suddenly give it up. No, and to be honest, that initial scene, like it didn't put me off the entire thing completely. It was just the entire experience of the constant talk about, you know, Legoshi's trying to fight his instinct, and like, it basically just reminded me too much of all the bad stories that I've heard and read of on the internet about like bestiality. Not that the writing is bad in any way, it just, there's too much history there for me to not be squicked out by this, unfortunately. Fair enough. Did you guys have any sort of, how, how do you think the show could be improved, I suppose is a better way, better question to ask. Do you have anything that could have been improved as excluding removing all the instinct talk for Daniel? I, I'm not sure. I, I really liked all mm. of it. I, Same. Oh, except... The the whole Lion Mafia, that felt that took me out of it a little bit. I felt it was unrealistic. I felt if it were three or four lions and they were kind of like punks, okay, I can get on board I... with that. But like a full-blown underground mafia of 36 lions and he just goes in for shits and giggles and demolishes the mm. joint, meh. I felt like that made but more yeah. sense to me than the punks because why would the punks do anything... Or, like, what's in it for them? Whereas a uh, full Yakuza of, like, you know, the Shishigumis, where the lions basically run the town and 
no one knows any better because the mayor has shaved his teeth and has plastic surgery to look like a kind man. And it's just, that's the kind of world building I fucking need. It's mm. like, holy mm. shit, there's so much like background shit happening that like it, it gets me more like excited. Hmm. I think Robbie more saying that it was about the fact that Lugoshi went through with the panda and just decimated them all and took them all out. Is that the unbelievable thing? Yeah, but, it's ah. not about the world building. It's just about the idea that this this panda who is admittedly like superb goes with this punk fucking teenage wolf who's just started to be violent. Those two teamed up can now take down a full blown mafia of so, lions. It's like yeah, eh. yeah, yeah, I thought you meant just the mafia. So it's actually kind of a trope in media um, that wolves tend to be at the top of a pecking order. Like, Hmm. um, felines tend to be beaten by wolves or dogs constantly. So, yes, I understand it's a bit unbelievable, but at the same time, it is implied that a grey wolf is basically a terrifying fucking monster. And him just cutting through these guys. Hmm. Who's also... It should be pointed out, he didn't kill any of them. He basically um, ran into them and threw them around. He didn't, like, he wasn't, it wasn't like a Rambo-esque or, like, Schwarzenegger-esque come on in and just kill everyone. It, it pretty clearly showed that he was not an experienced fighter and that he was not, mm. he was not any mm, way... But that's, that's the thing, though, is... A, he didn't actually kill anybody, which for me would have been more believable if he'd gotten lucky and he'd gotten those, you know, if he'd gotten the jugular here or if he'd scraped the, you know, um, whatever there. It's like, no, not only not only he's in he inexperienced and we know this, but I feel like a pride of lions would have more pride, <laughs> and you know, they'd actually. Um, also, it, it showed also it showed the panda taking most of them. Like, like, is it like that's a bit yeah. like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, that, that yeah. clean-up crew was like, more Like, Lugosi just kind of ran, still, ran his yeah. way. Like, anyone who got in front of him, he threw away. And then um, uh, Goan is just like, cool, I'll take them all. Incidentally, mm. what I was talking about before was called the Omegaverse or ABO. That's what I was thinking of. Oh, that doesn't ring any bells okay. for me. I'm sorry. Basically, it is, it's very much wolf-based. Um, in terms of uh, dominance hierarchy of uh, of such, the only reason why I know of it is there's been a bunch of lawsuits recently regarding it, and some of the stuff are just. <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> we'll leave that. We'll leave that to be its own sort of devices there. Sorry for everyone listening. Our dog has decided now is the time to wake up and make noise. So you might catch a bit of him going, roll, roll, roll. Moving on from that, though, all of that, I quite enjoyed... Actually, Ty, did you have any changes you would make to make the show better? I think it's pretty good. Okay, that's fine. That's okay. I wouldn't change anything because that would ruin stuff. Mm. Fair enough. I quite enjoyed the transformation sequence when he took on his basically his full wolf mode. I felt like that was... It, it felt like the show pretty much tried to appeal to everybody. When he went into his full wolf mode, he started glowing. He had the cracks going up and down his body to be like, I'm turning into a full the wolf. The shield hero's technical uh, yeah. skill. <laughs> the, crimson, the cursed rage or some shit. Mm, what did you guys think of that? Where it was the where his transformation essentially happening? 
I, I did kind of like the um the beast taking over of just like yeah. I'm gonna go full out now and you're not gonna like it. Hmm. The one I enjoyed, I felt there were two. One was the red cracks, the rage, mm. the blood traveling up his body. The second one was the more Jekyll Hyde-ish or... Um, I forget the famous English... Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Rapers? Who, who, was, who was the one that murdered all the Jack prostitutes? The Jack the Ripper. That's the one. More like Jack the Ripper style where it was... It was a it was a um, a shaky black outline of a wolf, and in one scene they merge where he's like, "Okay, this is me, and I am it." Like this, and I, I realize it's not quite the same thing because it's not the rage aspect. It was more like embracing part of himself. But I think I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is I enjoyed the subtle merge rather than the Dragon Ball Z power up. Mm-hmm more but it didn't it didn't throw me off too much but i felt something subtle might have been better in that instance not fair enough that makes sense i yeah i think the other side of it would be the whenever you had the scent i thought that also had a very visual element like there was going to be a transformation but never actually happened mm. Mm. that's true Ty, what I did also... sorry daniel you go i have no thoughts daniel go <laughs> I, I was gonna say i did kind of like it during the, that final siege against the lions um haru's scent kind of kept him going and also you saw that he was calm throughout the entire thing it was just like oh this guy's touched haru right now well i'm gonna kick his ass but he was completely (laughs) calm through the entire time like he got mad but not like blood red eyes mad hmm that's fair that's fair I wasn't really... You guys sort of covered off every, all the questions I had prepared to ask you, so I don't really have any other questions in terms of thoughts around the show or anything. You know, that's where I went to the what can we improve. Did you guys have any other elements of the show that you wanted to discuss specifically? I know we all have our own opinions in the show, obviously. I fucking love that they're all vegetarian. My people. <laughs> <laughs> or does that just mean I'm just an animal? <laughs> I like that as well. I thought it was really interesting world building. How do we deal with the fact that carnivores and herbivores are coexisting? Yeah. We feed them tofu. Mm. And soy milk. Oh, and, and normal milk. And eggs. Yeah. I feel like eggs should be way more popular. It was. They were more popular. Oh, yeah. They're forced to have um, uh, vegetarian food. You're not allowed to eat ca- meat on campus. So it's mm. also a choice for them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Also, Ty, I'd like to point out that you are married to an animal. You're not the animal. (laughs) I was going to lead into um, when Haru and Legoshi was at the train station and he he kind of grabbed her and everyone just basically panicked. Mm, mm, That was really cool too because I didn't think there was going to be... I mean, like, I did think there was going to be real life consequences, but I didn't think it was going to be so, like... In your face as well, like, mm. oh, what is that carnivore doing? Yeah, he's he's touching that rabbit, that that poor herbivore. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit, okay, people are actually stepping up. Much like Zootopia, racism is a massive thing, um, mm. and it, it's also, again, lovely writing there, just fantastic. Yeah. Probably wasn't yeah. helped by the fact of yeah. what Nagoshi was wearing at the time, where it's just his tank top, his bloodstained tank top. Ah, uh, yeah, true, and also. 
the other thing was at the train station when they were sitting down together. They were sitting in front of a sign that says, We love vegetable! <laughs> and I died laughing. <laughs> it did kind of undercut the scene a little bit. I well, The other thing with drawing the parallels to Zootopia, the fact that the lion mayor was corrupt, I, when, that, when it was like, oh, he's corrupt, I was like, oh, can we get a lion mayor in a show or a movie that's not corrupt, please? Excuse me? We watched that safari business guy. Yeah, and he was... The it was yeah. African salary man or something African lion, man. huh? Africa salary man. Af- yeah. yeah, and the lion is the manager of the company. We, we watched one episode. He could be corrupt. We don't know. No, he was he was good. He was he played with Jan and he took mid mid day snoozes and he is the best <laughs> manager. More cats for managers, please. Yes, more cats for managers, so we can have less corrupt cats. That'd be nice. I wanted to touch on as well. Um when Juno reveals herself as an ambitious wolf and tackles Rui, despite the fact she's been uh, true. kind of portrayed as prey. She's not. She's a grey wolf. But she was always very timid, always loving. There was nothing ambitious or negative or violent about her character at all. She was very... I think the word is unseeming. Um... And then suddenly it flips completely. She wants to be the next B-star. She's going to make sure that Rui knows about it. She's going to make sure that he knows that she's a fucking threat. And if she wants, she will, like, do whatever it takes to make that happen. Definitely. Like, very... Yeah, it was... It was. I thought it was a super... Like, com- caught me completely off guard. And I'm like, damn, nice... And, like, he struggles against it, and then he just gives up. He's like, fuck it, there's no point. Like, I'm just so weak. And he gives into it at the end. And I I, I don't know, I I really like that interaction. What did you like the most about the interaction? Oh, like, like what did... um, What drew you into it like that? The... The fact that Juno as a character possessed these qualities that were uh, more or less invisible. We knew she wanted to be a good dancer, um, but apart from that, she was... This was a side of her that we had not seen, and yet it completely fits the plot. And I think it's, again, just, I guess, good writing, where not only do they have one good character... There's several. They have... Yeah. Yeah, it's two good characters in the same character, where it's like, okay... She has this side. She also has that side. We've managed to... It's kind of like... It could have been completely done away with in the story. It was completely unnecessary in a sense. And I feel like there was a lot of that. And it was just another example of... This show had a lot of elements that it could have done without. That it could have reached the same conclusion. But here's some flavor for you. Here's some extra stuff to chew on. Here's some extra dialogue. Some plot development. Some character development. And I really liked it. I thought that was very interesting too, because normally, especially in shows, it um, they don't normally show the female or any kind of female as being ambitious or taking more masculine qualities, <laughs> <laughs> because that's not how traditional females are. You know, you know, and all of that. And I really liked mm. the fact that mm. they empowered her so. Uh, while I'm not like that and i'm very much timid and shit i th- i really really love 
when they have that in shows or anime or anything really because it's so heavily it's so negative in real life like no one likes that and that's why i really like the fact that you liked it uh because generally men don't find that appealing i guess or like you know in business and workplaces and stuff it's viewed as a negative quality or like you know she's bossy and all of that or and it's just mm. leadership qualities <laughs> i th- i think so in terms of as a character likability i don't like it i don't like that about her i don't like that she assaulted a dude because she wanted to get her point across mm. i think that would be considered you know toxic masculinity oh, yeah, 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 or yeah. some shit or the equivalent of but I agree with you in general that strong female characters, so Avatar, the cartoon, I believe, is the epitome of strong female characters. Toph, Katara, uh, fucking Azula, like, that whole cast is just strong female characters from, you know, beginning to end, and I love that, and I agree with you completely. But she shouldn't have assaulted a dude either. (laughs) Like, it could have just done Yeah, so I think she went too far, but... I think it fits the narrative. I, f- I think it fits the world, yeah. right? It's kind of a carnivores versus herbivores, and he wants to be a bee star. She wants to be a bee star. There can only be, well, hypothetically, one. And yeah, I would have liked to know more about the bee stars. Yeah. Previous bee stars. That would have been good to know. Mm, me too. I suspect sure. we'll get a lot more of that in season two. Mm. Yeah, like that, that's because again, it's called bee stars for a reason. But I suspect that um, season two will focus a lot more on the actual running of that, especially if Lewis does in fact die. I'm, um, and that Juno is the only one in the running. Especially if Lewis is Lewis is definitely not dead. <laughs> <laughs> but like I, you know, like if she's the only one in the running now, it will become a lot more um, probably apparent as to what's going on there. Hmm. Well, it'd be nice to know what the extra criteria are. Who decides this? I'm guessing yeah, the mayor. Judging by um, the deal yeah, he made with Ruiz at the end, I'm guessing that he has a pretty fair hand in it. I think I think actually he's like a de- like a small boss, mini boss. I think he's the mayor of this town. I think the B star seems to be it's a global phenomenon, not just this town, not just oh. the city, but the mm, world. I, so I thought you know each like I mean? city or like country or town has its own B star. I got the feeling that it was a world thing as well, like the B star is because then why is it just this school and why is well, it yeah, I mean, look, there was also someone said something about you're at that school, like specifically calling out the school as being special. Oh, I see. So I think maybe they're part of like yep. the elite school, yep. and like we only sort of focus on the acting yep. club, and they all have very strange backstories. Okay. Like Ligoshi... which was by design, incidentally. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. In one episode of that, they specifically look for guys like that. Yeah, but like the whole school seems to be just people with strange. And maybe just because of the characters that we focus on, like, there's the mouse that we see, and she's like, I should walk along the walls. Like, we don't know her backstory. I thought that was great. That was great. That was good world building as well. Yeah. But they, all the characters seem to focus on have something happening, something wrong with them, and the school seems like an elite school. I mean, everyone has something wrong with them. No, <laughs> but so something wrong with them. They have uh, compromising backstories, I should say. They have- oh, okay, right, right, right. Where Lagoshi has his things, where I don't, I don't remember Lagoshi. I don't think we got Lagoshi's cover, but he lived like a herbivore. Uh, Ruiz has his the fact that he was, you know, bait, etc., etc. I don't remember all of them. I'm sorry yeah, to really. say, but the ones that we characters we do have, they have odd stories, and maybe that's part of the school. 
Maybe. We'll find out in mm. season two. Oh, the Harlequin rabbits. They're oh, yeah, so they're endangered. There's two of them at the school. It's like, that's, that has to be on purpose. Because they're endangered as well? Yeah, they're endangered. So how are two of them at the same school? What are the chances? Because they're going fuck. Yes. So I think it's been put that way on purpose. Yeah. I mm. really... I, I, I thought that was another part that... Uh, another thing that kind of annoyed me. Oh, not annoyed, but... What's the word? Like, irritated, I guess? So annoyed. Where um the half-face um, Harlequin bunny... Like, when she confronts Haru about her boyfriend cheating on her with Haru. And she was like, we're in danger, don't you know? Like, we, we're meant to be together. And, she, and like, who are you? Just the plain dwarf rabbit. Mm. And it's just, and she, you know, they're bullying her because that was of that. Yeah. Potentially. That was the that was the character trying to slut shame her. Was the, yeah, was... but at the same time I didn't like that because like if if your partner's cheating on you and your immediate thing is to go to the, the person they cheated with and be like, fuck you, it's just like, well, I mean, I get it, but at the same time, that's not their fault. They might not even know that, you know. Hmm. Like that that's assuming that Haru knew every single guy's relationship status before sleeping with him. Mm, mm. And not every like not some people, some people go through, uh, go to schools that have like thousands of people. So, good yeah. fucking luck, I guess. Yeah. And I, I just thought that was weird. Like, why wouldn't you talk to your man about that? <laughs> because that would that would and, and that would remove any conflict. Is is the short answer? No, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I thought that would be really to, cool. Yeah, everyone needs to blame Haru for their problems because. Mm. Obviously, it's completely Haru's fault and no one else's yeah. in their eyes. Well, we can blame Haru for having to watch this show that we all enjoyed, except for Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Beastars Season 2 is apparently coming out next season, so I'm quite excited about that. And I think we probably should uh, start to wrap up unless anyone has any absolute I, last things they want to say. I just have one last thing to say about the fight between um, Legoshi and the lion guy. Um, I've completely forgotten the guy's name. I, <laughs> I wish I knew it, so I wouldn't have to call him Lion Guy, but the head, ma- um, uh, mafia, Lion Mafia dude. And really, what it shows is that believing in yourself doesn't work, and what you need to do is... Ah, uh, goddammit! Believe in you that believes in yourself, but believes in a better tomorrow. Thank you very much. I regret looking at the chat, and you said you had one thing left to say. <laughs> I regret it all. I was like, ooh, it's gonna be juicy. <laughs> Legitimately, I, I need to go. No idea. Yeah, we we got to we got to sort this out. So thank you for listening, everybody. You can send us an email and contact us at equippableallies at gmail dot com. At Facebook at Equippable Allies. On Twitter at Equippable Ally. And our website equippableallies dot com. That's right. Yeah. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> you know, Daniel, we used to do this for years and years. You should know it. We, we have done this for years and years and we've fucked it up every time, man. We've never managed to get it right. <laughs> well, <laughs> At least that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Yes, fantastic. So uh, next week, please join us as we explore the fantastic, the fantabulous... I have forgotten what I wrote down before. I'm so sorry. Let me get my notes out. Uh, the fantastic... Da, 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 season Dan 2... Season 3. Yes. <laughs> season 2 of Attack on Titan. I wanted to double check and make sure that was right. Shingeki no Kyojin. Shingeki no Kyojin. Season 2. Please join us as we explore the next season of Attack on Titan. 
Uh, thank you for listening. And please let us know what shows we should be watching via any of our social media outlets. We would love to watch the shows that you're suggesting. We'll see you next time. Bye bye.